Hi, and welcome to our first episode where we will be talking about actual specific players, episode number two, but our first episode with specific players. Um, I am Riley. I am joined by Bill. Hello. And uh, today we're going to be talking about three players, uh, two of whom are in the Hall of Fame and one of whom is not yet, but will be very shortly, um, depending on when he quits. Um, so we're going to start off. Uh, the way we, we've figured out we're going to do this is we're going to talk about an eligible player who uh, may or may not deserve to be in, a player who was recently inducted, and an old-timer who is in the hall, or in some cases may deserve to be but isn't. Um, and uh, so we're going to start things off with one of the most no-doubt um, cases in the history of the Hall of Fame, uh, Yarmir Yager, who... Uh, the reason we're talking about him is he was waived by the Calgary Flames, and so it's safe to assume that his NHL career might be over, but also that whatever he, if he does make a comeback next year, it's not really going to add to his case. Um, it's not going to make him more eligible <laughs> for the Hall of Fame uh, at this point in his, his career. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about Mark Recchi, who was just inducted last year. And finally, we're going to be talking about Joe Hall, who was a um, one of the possibly one of the great uh, National Hockey Association defensemen. Um, so that there was the league that preceded the NHL and then uh, is famous for a very particular thing, which we will talk about. Um, not, a, not a good thing, it turns out, but um, which is one of the reasons he's in the Hall of Fame. So, start off, we are going to start with uh, Yarmir Yager. Take it away, Bill. Okay, so Yarmir Jaeger, NHL, 1990 to 2008. And then again from 2011 until 2018 after his brief uh, Russian vacation in the KHL. Uh, <laughs> so he played, uh, he's played 24 seasons and 22 of them have been quality seasons. Um, do you want to remind uh, listeners what, uh, what sort of the definition of a quality season is? So I, I took for forwards, it's... Uh at least 0.5 uh, PPG, which means a lot of different things in different eras, but it's like the easiest thing uh, because at least it's a number you can have. It's much harder for defensemen um, because, you know, defensemen, especially prior to uh, certain players, didn't score a lot. Um, so when we get to defensemen and trying to assessing quality, it'll be a lot tougher. I would try to go by hockey reference point uh, defensive point shares, but then the problem with that is it's based on the length of the season. So... Well, that'll get a little hairier, but yeah, for forwards, it's uh, I I I thought 0.5 uh, points per game means like you know you're 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 a respectable player in the league. Yeah, you're contributing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, he has 766 goals, third all time, uh, right behind Gordy Howe and Wayne Gretzky. Obviously, I don't think he'll get to Howe's because Howe's was uh, 802, right? Yeah, yeah, 801 or 802, yeah. He was 801 and Gretzky broke it with 802. So I, yeah, I don't yeah. Get there unless he plays another 10 seasons, but <laughs> no, he won't. <laughs> um, 1,155 assists, which is fifth, uh, for 19, uh, 21 points. That's a hell of a lot of points, and that is second all time, just behind good old Wayne. Um, by 900. <laughs> by 900, yeah. Or, or 800 or something. <laughs> um. He's plus 322, which is 23rd, and he has played 1,733 games, which is third all time. Um, Hello? 
You're gonna ha- you're gonna have to clarify this one for me, Riley. It's 217 PS. Point shares. Point, point shares. shares. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, sorry. That should be okay, spelled. No problem. I I got most of them, uh, but I just, <laughs> I just blanked on that one. The 217 uh, point so, shares. Just to stop you there time. for a minute. Sorry, what? Just to stop you there for a minute. I guess you should probably explain what that is. Uh, most of this information is from the indispensablehockeyreference.com, the best site for hockey stats, historical anyway, um, on the internet. And uh, point shares is a metric they created, which means much more now than it did for, like when we get to Joe Hall, talking about his point shares is, is virtually meaningless, and we can talk about it at the time when we get there. But um, they are basically an attempt it's like their attempt at war for hockey, which is wins above replacement if no one's a baseball fan. And the idea is how many team points they contributed to. So in this case, it's saying that uh, Yager's teams won uh, a full 217 points while he was on the ice during his career, like team points. So like, you know, uh, each game is worth in the silly NHL rules, two to three points. And he's contributed to 217 of those, which is the fourth ever by an NHL player. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and, then, and the. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and the the uh, the. Do you know what the last one is? The ATOI. Uh yeah, uh, average oh. time on ice, right? Okay, good. Yeah, sorry, I should have spelled that one out too. But I yeah. do have an English degree, Riley. I can figure some stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So his average time on ice is uh, 20. 20 minutes and 19 seconds, which I'm assuming for a forward is quite good because some forwards, you know, only play 15, if you don't play on the power play, it's basically 16 minutes a night kind of thing. Yeah. And it's worth noting that that is only from like 1997. So it misses the first, uh, like six, seven years of his career. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it would probably actually go up because people used to, I was just watching something on hockey the other day. I can't remember what it was, but they were just talking about like, oh yeah, well you used to go out and have a one minute shift and now it's like 30 seconds and you're off. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's changed quite a bit. The pace of the game has accelerated. Yeah. 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 Um, so points per game, uh, Jaeger is 25th all time. Um, yeah. Jaeger is third all time in offensive point shares. Uh, in his draft class, which is 1990. And I'll just pull up the uh, top five to see uh, which teams we can make fun of. Uh, so the Nordiques took Owen Nolan first overall. It was a pretty good pick. Owen Nolan was a pretty solid player. Um, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, after hosting the draft, decided to take Peter Nedved. Um, the Detroit Red Wings took Keith Primo. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers took Mike Ricci. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins took Yaramir Jaeger. Now, how yeah. a team with Mario Lemieux, who would win the cup like two, for two years in a row and could have actually probably won it three years in a row if it wasn't for David Volek, ended up picking fifth overall and getting Jagger. I have no idea how they ended up that, that happening. I, but uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know either how they were that bad. Yeah, and then uh, and then it it trails off pretty badly. Actually, that's not true. Martin Brodeur was twentieth that year. So also like as much as like the guy after Jagger Scott Sissons uh, was terrible. Yeah. Daryl Sador had a respectable career. Sure Hatcher did. Darian Hatcher had a long. Less long as Daryl Sador, but arguably more prominent career than Sador did, even though he scored less points. You know, there's a couple guys in there who are not terrible. Brad Mayen was in there. He scored one of the nicest goals of all time, thanks to Pat LaFontaine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we got that glorious call, so that's that's worth it. Um, Yeah, that's 
you know, the Brian Smolinski, Keith Kachuk, though, very, very good player. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a pretty good draft year, actually. Yeah, I'm quite impressed. Um, great players later as well, uh, Pot Vane, Doug Waite, and Jeff Sanderson. All those guys were in the second round. So I mean, yeah, you just gotta you gotta wonder about like I mean I I'm like one of the world's biggest Keith Primo fans, but like yeah, you gotta wonder about the Red Wings. I mean, I guess it was a different era with the uh, with the uh, European scouting, but like Keith Primo and Mike Ricci, you know, being deemed better risks than Yager. Yeah. Now knowing what we know, yeah, hindsight bias is is you know it's really easy to 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 criticize them, but Jesus, you know, like yeah. Yager well, played almost twice as many games as Primo did in his career. Yeah, totally, and it, well, you know, it's unfortunate Primo had his career cut short by concussions as well. Yeah. There is that there is yeah. that year that uh, the Flyers almost went to the Cup. Uh, the Devils ended up winning it, so I yeah, think it was two thousand three, and he yeah. he was basically the the entire Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, incredible. yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking like Keith Primo's this good. When did this happen? Like, he was, yeah, he yeah. Was amazing that year. Um, I think he had like 12 goals or something and they didn't even make it to the cup final. So, it was yeah. um, but it's worth noting as well that, um, you know, Owen Nolan, Peter Nedved had come over to Canada and I think in fact had played for team Canada at the world juniors. Yeah. Um, cause he had defected from Czechoslovakia, whereas Jagger had not and mm-hmm. central scouting didn't even rank Jagger. He was unranked. That is Even insane. Everybody knew he was a top prospect and had seen him play at the World Juniors. Yeah, it's sort of that end of the, the you know, the Iron Curtain. So they're like, are we actually going to be able to get this guy? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, that's fair. That's part of it, but yeah, he wasn't even ranked. So people are like, we actually don't know anything about him except for we saw him play at this one tournament. So yeah, and Pittsburgh was smart enough to take him because Pittsburgh drafted pretty well in that era. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. As as Pierre Maguire will remind us constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, anyway, just an interesting side note because I find the uh, looking back over the draft classes to be quite interesting, especially when it comes to somebody as you know, arguably a top five to ten player in NHL history like Yager. If you want yeah. to look at points, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, in his draft class from 1990, Yager is first in games, goals, assists, points, and plus minus. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And drafted fifth overall. Um, for his era, he is uh, of the six players to play in at least 1,250 games between 1990 and 2008. Jaeger is first in goals, uh, goals per game, assists, assists per game, points, points per game. Um, and point shares. And point shares. And fourth in games. <laughs> Some yeah. people have played more, but he's played the best. Yeah. Um, of the 154 players to play in at least 450 games between 200 and, uh, 2011 and the present, Jaeger is not in the top 35 in any category. But if you 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 actually look specifically at two, 2016 and 2017 when he had like sort of that revival of like, holy crap, he can still really play. And he was playing on the top line in Florida. Um, and he was in the top 25 in multiple categories. So it's really this last season where he's just sort of bounced around and been waived and traded and nobody yeah. wanted to sign him. And it's... Didn't he have like 60 points? <laughs> nobody yeah, wants him. Yeah, a couple of years ago he had 60 points, yeah. Yeah, and like nobody wants him. It's like, and he was in the top top 10 or very close to the top 10 in scoring one yeah. year, I think. Um, yeah, I, not... I was actually very surprised that Montreal didn't take a run at him just to put him with Placanitz and see if they could uh, you know, yeah. sort of revive that old Czech magic that they had a few years ago at the World World uh, Hockey Championship. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have been a terrible risk for sure. It, was, it would have been a free trial, but you know, that's not yeah. how Montreal does things. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, so his uh, his eighty two game average would be uh, thirty six goals and fifty five assists for ninety one points and a plus fifteen. Which is ridiculous. Is, uh, pretty damn respectable in any era. Yeah. Um, even those high scoring Gretzky years, that would have been still a decent total. Yeah. Um, his three-year peak from 94 to 97 and that's sort of the the trap is starting to be born towards the yeah. end of that right so he's yeah. some of it he played when it was still kind of high flying and then some of it was you know everybody's grabbing onto you but he's a big guy yeah. so you kind of fight through it um his 82 game average uh would be uh for his three-year peak 60 goals 71 assists for 131 points and a plus 32 yeah. pretty damn good it's it's uh, mind-boggling Seriously, yeah, that's uh, wow. Well, the only... at, at a certain point, he kind of started to become the guy on the Penguins. Where yep. I, I guess you could say like he's Malk, he was the Malkin to Cro- to you know Crosby kind of the, if you make a comparison to nowadays, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, his possession stats. Uh, I'm assuming CF percentage is Corsi. Yeah. And his FF is Fenwick. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so his possession stats since 2007, 2008, because they didn't really keep him before that. <laughs> yeah. um, 55.1 for his Corsi and a uh, 5.4 relative Corsi. A 54.3 uh, Fenwick and a 4.8 relative Fenwick. Yeah. Of which the are... 154 players to play in 450 more games since 2011, Jaeger is 18th in his uh, Corsi, 7th in relative Corsi. 24th in Fenwick and 10th in relative Fenwick. So I just so, wanted to stop you there briefly and mention that the possession numbers you read out are like ridiculous, especially given that he was in 2007, he would have been, he'd been in the league for a decade and a half already. Oh yeah. And like that, like I, I didn't, I didn't do the last year of his, uh, you know, before he went to, um, Russia, but um, but like in order to like figure out how he compared to that whole era, partly because he'd be missing all those years in the middle, but like that would those types of numbers put you up. That's that's elite possession wise. Fifty five, um, fifty. You know the best players in the league are in the high fifties, mm-hmm. and uh, relative to your team, having a Corsi above a Corsi rel above uh, five and Fenwick almost at five are are also like that's also elite like your your team in that case sucks generally speaking in terms of possession but you you don't yeah when you're on the ice your team has the puck and when you're off the ice your team does not have the puck. yeah it's basically yeah yeah um that's that's one thing that i think uh jagger would probably actually be a really good um sort of uh case study for people you know because a lot of old school hockey people will sort of poo-poo these numbers and you know they don't mean anything and you know oh, who wants the puck and it's like well the red wings kind of made a let's win a bunch of cups out of it <laughs> like, yeah. let's just constantly keep the puck yeah um, but jagger is like like you just be like he's old he's slow but it's so hard to get the puck off of him yep and if you're if you're keeping an eye on him he's like you kind of have to respect the ability to shoot that puck the way he does means his teammates don't get checked as closely, right? Because you're always yep. sort of looking out for him. And yep. then you, you watch him down low. I mean, Jaeger, I believe, is six foot four, six foot five. I think so. Uh, and he weighs about 240. Like, he's a big, big dude. And just, you know, you think of him as a year old player, so you don't think of how tough and big he is. But, like, try getting the puck off him, and he's got that long reach. Like, yep. he, uh, so, so, I mean, I think the eye test for him is, like, 
he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's just, he's always seems puck always seems to be around him or yeah. he's either making a pass or getting the puck in the corner and holding a guy off. And it's just, he always seems to have it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, it was interesting when he was playing in Florida, they were saying how slow he was. And then, so they were saying, well, you know, um, uh, Barkov and uh, Huberto are going to have to sort of make up for that. And they're just like, well, they're young, fast guys. Yeah, they can back check harder than he can. He's, yeah, he's going to kind of go slow. <laughs> but, but, and yet his possession numbers are still through the roof. Like, yeah. all right, yeah. must be working. <laughs> yeah. um, his, uh, his playoff numbers, uh, 78 goals, which is 11th all time, 123 assists, 9th all time for 201 points, which is fifth all time, plus 30 in 208 playoff games and a uh, 20 minute and 45 second average time on ice. His uh, playoff possession numbers, 58.2 Corsi, 7.2 relative Corsi. So his numbers are going way up. (laughs) A 57 Fenwick and a 5.9 relative Fenwick. Uh, And, you, you know, you put a note in the stats thing that you sent me and it's basically you know it's potentially out of date the hockey reference has sort of removed some of those numbers so you can't actually like yeah they used to have playoff possession i don't know why they took it all down yeah so i when i did this i did this a couple years ago and uh i have like no idea where they went they just vanished from the site maybe they maybe they needed the bandwidth or um, uh they just realized that it was kind of unreliable and they had to go back and double yeah yeah maybe yeah um anyway um we should so sorry adjusted stats that's all right we should uh, just pause to explain what uh, adjusted is which is that it's hockey references era adjusted numbers so they they figure out the number of goals scored in a given year and uh, by each team and they try to say like they they have a season i believe it's 1972 or something like that which is considered the average season hmm. And then they extrapolate from that, like it's the closest average that they could get, cool. and and then they extrapolate from that, given um, how much you know someone scored in a particular season, what would they really have scored if every season was average? Uh, the issue, of course, with that is that, uh, as we will see when we get to old timers, that the uh, the stats go bonkers back before they were counting secondary assists, and and when they didn't count a lot of assists, that adjusted really stops working back then, but it doesn't matter for Yager because he was, you know, every season he played and um, they had all the information they would need to figure it out. So his, all I'm trying to say is his adjusted stats are probably pretty close to dead on compared to say like Joe Hall's. Awesome. Okay. Um, so his adjusted, uh, it's 841 goals, second all time, uh, uh, 1,240 assists, which would be third all time for 2,081 points, which would be third all time. So you can see, I mean, even his real stats aren't that far off from those numbers, except for the goals jumps way up, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, his adjusted 82 game average would then be 40 goals and 59 points for 98 points. And I believe before I said it was 91, so. Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit higher, yeah. Yeah. Um, his adjusted points per game, if the qualifier is set to 1,250 games played, Jaeger's fourth all-time. If the qualifier is lower to 1,000 games, Jaeger's fifth all-time. And if the qualifier is lower to 750 games played, then Jaeger is 10th all-time in adjusted points per game. Um, interesting little side notes for Jaeger. Uh, he was traded twice in his prime. 
and then traded twice during his comeback. Hence, he has played for quite a few teams. So, uh, yeah. Penguins to the Capitals, I believe? Yeah, Penguins to the Capitals, and then Capitals to Rangers. That's true, yes. Okay. And then uh, he left for the KHL, and then came back with... Uh, did he come back with the Flyers? Yeah, he came back with the Flyers, I'm pretty sure, yeah. To the Panthers and then to the Flames, right? So, yeah, yeah. There we go. Oh, and he was also briefly on the de- the Stars and the Devils in there somewhere. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Like, Deadline. He oh, signed... the Bruins. The Bruins as well. Yeah, because Br- he signed some free... Like, his contracts were often very short. Yeah, so he get traded as a rental player at the Deadline, right? All the time? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I'm going to do his accomplishments now. Um. And uh, before I do that, I realized I, I left something off in my, like, bid to be insanely complete i'm gonna try and get that so he won the uh, heart trophy in 1999 mm-hmm. um one of the things i wanted to talk about too was if people were nominated so he also was nominated he came in top five in heart voting in um one two three four five six other seasons which is a lot um and a couple of those times he came in second um so i just wanted to mention that because i think that we don't always get like who won the heart is is not as good a um you know it, it's uh, the vote it's good to know the voting because sometimes someone may have been nominated for an award a bunch of times and never won it and in his case like coming in the top five and voting for the heart six six times is crazy um he also won the ted Lindsay, which is the player's uh best player mvp three times which is a uh, tied for the third most ted Lindsay trophies since it was introduced he won the art ross uh five times which is tied for the fourth most Art Rosses ever. Um, if we use hockey references point shares, he was a top five player in the league five times which, um, in 1995, 96, 90, 99, 2001, and 2006. And then another two more times he was in the uh, top 10 in terms of point shares. If we talk so. about best offensive players, uh, he was the best offensive player in the league by uh, hockey references offensive point share metric, which is just focusing on uh, t- goal scored. Um, twice in 1999 and 2006. Um, so one year he won the heart, and the other year he would have been, I think, second in heart trophy voting. And then he was a top five offensive player eight times in his career. Out of the so one third of the time he was in the league, he was in the top five in terms of offensive players. He scored despite us saying he he had a um, he had an A2 game average in his peak of scoring uh, 60 goals a year. He only ever scored 60 goals once. And that's because he, you know, didn't play a full 82 games every season. Like, like everybody um, he scored. He was only one of, he's one of only 20 players to ever score 60 goals. He's one of only 20 players to score 50 goals, three times. He scored 45 goals, four times, 40 goals, six times. And he's one of only 22 players to do so. Um, he is one of only, 22 players to score 35 goals eight times. One of only two players to score 30 goals 15 times. The other one being Mike Gartner. Um, He is one of only two players to score 25 goals 18 times. The other being Gordie Howe, of course. Uh, (laughs) And he is one of only five players to score uh, 20 goals 19 times. And I believe the other players are Howe, Gartner, uh, probably Gretzky, um, and Francis, and... I want to say Shanahan or Messier, but I'm not sure off the top of my head. Yeah. Anyway, we approximately, it's going to be those people, right? Like, yeah. Um, he also managed to have 80 assists in a season twice, one of only 12 players to do so. And I believe certainly one of the only wingers ever to do that. 
Um, 60 assists eight times, which would be one of only 10 players. So he was even more dominant as a passer. Uh, 50 assists nine times, one of only 22 players. And 40 assists 15 times, which is only one of 13 players. And the reason we mentioned 40 assists is it's roughly uh, as common in frequency as 20 goals. So, you know, however many hundred players have scored uh, 20 goals in the HL, a similar number have, have managed to get 40 assists since the secondary assist was uh, added. Um, he has scored 140 points once, and he's only one of nine players. Uh, those nine players would be like uh, Gretzky, um, Lemieux, Iserman, uh, I don't think Dion, uh, uh, Bossy, um, Nichols, um, I guess I should have written these down. I don't remember all of them. Uh, Lafontaine. Uh, Lafontaine, yeah, Lafontaine. Um, so we got we got some of them there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Messier did it. Um, anyway, did uh, we got most of them. Fedorov ever do it? Maybe Fedorov. No, Fedorov top would be I think one twenty or something like that. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So he scored one hundred and twenty points four times, and one of only seven players, and it, that would be like Gretzky, Dion, um, people like that, Bossy. Um, scored 100 points. Yari Curry must have as well, right? Yeah, Curry, uh, Lemieux, obviously. Uh, he scored, uh, Yager scored 100 points five times, one of only 18 players, which is way more frequent than I thought it would have been. Um, 90 points 10 times, which is he was one of only five players, and we'd be talking about how Francis Gretzky, um, maybe Bossy, people like that, yeah. uh, scored 70 points 15 times, one of only six players, and we're talking Francis, uh, um, Gretzky, how probably with 70 points. Yeah, yeah, definitely how. Um, and scored 60 points 18 times, and he's one of only four players, and that would again be the usual suspects of how Gretzky and Francis, I think. And then finally, he scored 50 points somehow 20 times of the 24 years he was in the NHL, inc- which includes two lockout years yep. or partial lockout years. Um, and he's one of only five players to do that. He was the top five in goals scored six times and top 10 eight times. He never led the league. He led the league in goals per game once. He was top seven five times, or sorry, top five seven times and top 10 uh, nine times, which is over a third of his career, Um, his very long career. He led the league in assists three times, and he was top five seven times and top 10 10 times, which is almost half of his career. Um, He led the league in assists per game once, and he was top five eight times, which is a third of his career, and top ten ten times, which is almost half. He led the league in points five times, uh, was in the top five eight times, top ten eleven times, which is just about half of his career. And he led the league in points per game three times, and he was in the top five nine times. Um, he also finished top five and plus minus twice, and top ten three times, though you know we, we know that that's a flawed metric. He was a first-team all-star seven times, a first-team all-rookie when he uh, debuted, he was a second team all-star once for some reason. <laughs> uh, he was in nine all-star games. And also since they've introduced the weekly stars, he has been a weekly first star once and a weekly third star once. Not that that really matters. Yeah. Um, and, can, I, can I just pause you there for a second? Yeah. Um, just interesting to note in 95, when he won the Art Ross, um, he actually tied with uh, Eric Lindros. Oh, yeah, and he 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 won the Art Ross by virtue of the fact that he had more goals than assists. 
I remember, oh, okay. I remember Don Cherry being furious about it. <laughs> so, That's funny. Because <laughs> um, obviously he would be, right? You know, how is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross is great. I love him. Um, so, but yeah, that's that's, uh, that was the the um, the first lockout season. So they only played yeah. uh, was it 40, 42 or forty eight maybe? Yeah, yeah something like that. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, so interesting to know that that one of his Art Rosses, I guess you could put a little asterisk next to it. Yeah, he yeah. Hide, but yeah. I mean, he still led the league in points. Nobody was better than him. So and and also like I I mean whatever Don Cherry thinks. I think if you're gonna have a tiebreaker goals makes much more sense than assists i would agree with that yeah yeah because you you know for sure he scored those goals whereas like some of those secondary assists yeah you know, right. might not have been that significant so um the last achievement i want to mention is that when he was uh like he he managed to win an mvp during a world championship on a team that didn't medal as well wow. um which is uh not something that happens very often um, which I don't, I don't remember what year that was, but like that means he scored a lot because normally they give the MVP to someone on the winning team. Totally, so, yeah. um, and there's probably we didn't go, we didn't do a huge deep dive, but I'm sure we could find other awards he's won in in the European leagues. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. Or or times that he's led the European leagues and uh, when he was, especially when he was in the KHL, but didn't bother to do that because you know that's getting kind of absurd. At this point, you're starting to get the idea that he's very good. He's very good and should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> um, okay, the great teams that uh, Yaramir Jagr has played for. He was a top three forward on one Final Fours team, the 01 Penguins. Uh, I think that's when they had Hedberg as a goalie and they kind of went on this little magical run. Yeah, that sounds right. And yeah. Super low OT game, too. Um, yeah, I yeah. I recall that. Um, he was a top three forward by points on one Final Four team, the 96 Penguins. Uh, he was a top six forward on one runner-up, the 13 Bruins. And Bruins fans like totally crapped all over him because he never scored any goals, but I think he had a big pile of assists. Um, yeah. Well, that, that one would be by like, when I when it doesn't say by points, it means that it was by ice time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, he did put, I, I seem to remember him putting up quite a few assists, but he never scored goals. And I remember yeah, yeah. being very upset with him. And it's like, well, he's, he is putting up points. Like, yeah, yeah. he's kind of doing his thing. Plus, he's a million years old. What did you expect? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, top six forward by points on two champions, which are the 91 and 92 Penguins. And of course, those teams were pretty loaded to not have Jagger be on the top line. Yeah, but yeah. He scored that incredible goal that you can still watch. It's, you know, if you watch like a, any sort of top 10, you know, Deeks you know, in the playoffs sort of thing, like he'll, it'll pop up almost immediately where he goes around like a bunch of Blackhawks and scores this incredible goal. You're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. I think that was sort of the moment where people realized, like, wow, this guy is something else. So yeah, yeah, um, that's a cool one. Um, the best skater by points on one Olympic champion, the '98 Czech Republic. Um, a top three forward by points on one Olympic bronze, the '06 Czech Republic. A top six forward by points on one World Cup bronze, the '04 Czech Republic. Which then that team almost beat Canada. I think it was four yeah. three in overtime. Yeah. Um, Best skater by points on two world champions, the 05 and, uh, and uh, 2010 Czech Republic. A top three forward by points on one world championship bronze, the uh, 2011 Czech Republic. A top six forward by points on one world championship bronze, the 90 Czechoslovakia team. And probably the last Czechoslovakia yeah. team. Um, 
top three forward by points on one world junior champion, which is the bronze uh, for the 90 Czechoslovakia, and the best player by points on one European champion, the legendary 2005 avant-garde Omsk. <laughs> <laughs> so just, uh, I mean, I know, I know we're both in full agreement that he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but if you were to try to make a case that he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, which is idiotic, the case would, I think, be um, uh, as follows, that despite his improved possession numbers in the playoffs since they started tracking him, he was never, at least by when they started tracking ice time and, and by points, he was never the best player on a playoff, on a, a great or good playoff team in the NHL. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, by points and ice time. Yeah. And he didn't win a con Smythe, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is literally, that is the thing that you can say. I mean, aside, putting aside all the racism that people will say because he's <laughs> European and he, he's, who knows, like the various reasons that, like, you know, a Czech player is supposedly not as good as a Canadian player. The real, I think, only argument, because if you look at his, like, international achievements, you know, yes, his team didn't always win the tournament, but he was among the best players on in his country, if not the best player regularly. And throughout his career from from the 90s to you know uh literally 2010 you know oh, there's yeah. a he was a best scare on a, a world champion winning team um you know eight years ago and and the, like full 20 years into his nhl career so um although he wasn't in the nhl at the time but like i just mean like i think that's the only real criticism in all the stuff we just read out is that he was never the best player on an nhl playoff team that went far yeah and the thing is i mean like you know it's you sort of see that well you know the same argument could be made for you know keith primo who you know when when he basically carried that flyers team kicking and screaming into a final was like wow the rest of this team is not that good but keith primo is really good yeah. a lot of times jagger was that guy he'd yeah. have you know eight points in six games in the first round and the penguins would get bounced because the rest of the team was not very good once lemieux left right like yep absolutely and one of those things I don't know if the Capitals uh, made the playoffs when he was on them, but I feel like the rain, it was the same thing with the Rangers mm -hmm. where like he was when he sort of went, cause what he, his years in the Capitals were not the greatest, but when he went back to the, when he went to the Rangers, I feel like same kind of thing where he would like, they would not necessarily make it past the first round, but he was the best player. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He's basically, basically they only make the playoffs because he's on the team. Otherwise that team doesn't even come close to the playoffs kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like um, the question isn't whether he belongs in the Hall of Fame, because obviously he does. If Yager doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, we are talking about a Hall of Fame so exclusive that it's got a couple of players in it. Yeah, exactly. um, the question is really, is he the best right wing in the history of the league? And I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know how much time we want to spend on it, but I, I think like the, the other contenders, and you can, if I miss anybody, feel free to pipe up. Um, Obviously, Gordy Howe, uh, he would be the prime contender. Uh, Guy Lafleur, Maurice Richard, maybe Mike Bossy, um, and then I, and then maybe some old timers. I'm forgetting. I don't know if I can think of anyone else who might be a, a candidate, but he would be right up in that group, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty sort of the um, creme de la creme of right right wingers. Um... And the only one I can think of who who has a legitimate like, you know, Lafleur. You can make the case that Lafleur, um, 
for his like the six seasons where he was really really dominant maybe he was more dominant than Yager and he was unlike Yager he was you know you could argue that he was on uh, the best player on his team as opposed to Yager sometimes being the second best player with Lemieux yeah. um Lafleur then had a like a his career really like dropped off the face of the earth relatively speaking um and and Bossy as much as Bossy was a great offensive player it's really hard to know to what degree his his numbers from the 80s are you know exaggerated um based on the fact of when he played even with adjusted stats so i feel like and richard richard is a contender obviously yes, but yeah. the real competitor that yager has is gordy howe because gordy howe i mean some people think he's the greatest player of all time but also they they compare because of the longevity thing as well as um, the fact that they were both in, w- in very different ways dominant players for long periods of time. Um, now, how do we tell who's better? I have no idea. Yeah, um, I mean, Gordy Howe's stats. You know, if you if you listen to a lot of Canadians fans, they all, you know, the English media always wanted uh, Gordy Howe to win the scoring championship, so they'd make up assists for him, so he so that he he would win the scoring championship over Richard, so a French Canadian wouldn't win it. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, he got that assist while he was on the bench, and all it's like all these things. You know, <laughs> who knows how true they are from one side or the other? There's yeah. no record of it. Well, just, well and the uh, other thing we can we can say about him that I mean, I know we're, we'll get to him at some point, and we'll talk about him in more and more detail. But like, you know, he did win cups with the uh, with the Red Wings, but yeah. um, he won them in a six team league. And it's interesting to go back and look at how many times he was in the playoffs versus the number of times he won a cup in the six team league. And if he really is now, I'm, I'm not, I'm totally playing devil's advocate here. I don't buy this argument, Um, but it's fun because it would bother old time hockey fans. Um, If he really, if he really was the greatest hockey player of all time, why didn't the Red Wings win more than four cups? Exactly, and because be like, he was all the Canadians had all these players. Yeah, yeah. But he was on he was on the Red Wings for like twenty years or longer than that, whatever it was, and they won like four, maybe five cups when he was, and they were mostly most of the time, except for the last few years of his career prior to going to the WHA. You know, they were in a six team league, and he was in the playoffs every every year, and somehow the greatest hockey player of all time didn't will his uh, team into the cup final every single year. Yeah. And I mean, now my response to that would be, well, it's, it's a, you know, 20 person hockey team. So, yeah. <laughs> and how is not playing 45 minutes a game, but. And the, the, the other thing is too, you consider it in that era. Let's say you say, how's the greatest hockey player of all time. And then let's say for the era he played in, you say, well, then Richard was number two. You're like and then Bellevue was three and yeah. <laughs> Henri Richard was six and like yeah, yeah. Canadians had a lot more of those like top ten Doug Harvey in the league kind of guys on their side yeah um, that that's that's the thing I think you have to consider like it's it's a six team league so you're like what they should have won way more championships if you're the best ever but the overall quality of the teams in a six team league is like even the guys on the third line would be like first line superstar players nowadays because the yep. league so has grown so much, right? So yeah. you get this, like, like if you take, what do we have now? 30, 31 teams? 31. 31, soon to be 32? Yep. So a six-team league, like, there's only four lines on each team, right? So if you just yep. do the math, 
every team's first line, some of those guys will be playing on the fourth line in a six-team league. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you're talking like every t- every time somebody's on the ice, they're good. Yeah. So if you're the best player with the most points in a league like that, where the competition you're playing against is very strong, it's pretty impressive. The fact you don't go so far in the playoffs, it's like, well, in the playoffs, especially, you know, in the, you know, in the era, even now, the referees don't call anything the playoffs. Yeah. So those guys are just, you know, well, they only have one really good guy and everybody else is just pretty good. Let's let's concentrate on that one really good guy. Check the hell out of him. Yeah. And then our guys will take care of the rest. You know? yeah. like, so. and, to, and to bring it back to Yager, another thing you could say in, in the case that maybe he isn't the greatest right wing of all time is that he did play in a in a league with um you know where yes sometimes especially if he was playing on a different line than Lemieux and I don't know how often that happened you know he would be facing weaker competition absolutely and And early in his career they did play a part quite a bit if I recall especially in the playoffs so he would be so he would be able to pad his stats in a way that someone else wouldn't be in that situation I mean on the other hand you know, especially later in, in his career, you can make the counter argument that yes, maybe the talent level isn't necessarily as high, but the fitness level of the le- maybe less talented players is there's no comparison. Oh yeah. Guys, guys playing in the NHL now, you know, like um, this is, this is going to be the first of 1000 times I mentioned this. Uh, I'm sorry to say, <laughs> yeah. but like I, uh, I, this is not about hockey, but I read a book um, called the greatest game ever played, which is about a football game. Um, between the Colts back when they were still in Baltimore and the Giants. And it's it's a really I'm not a foot NFL fan really, but like it's a great, great um like portrait of a, a particular time in that sport. And one of the things the best game ever played, sorry, it's by Mark Bowden or Bowden. Anyway, um it's one of the things it tells you about is that there were no fitness regimens. Uh, the people who were elite were in part elite because of talent, but the other reason they were elite is because they trained when nobody else did. And so, and I'm sure this is as true of the NFL as it is for the NHL. People would use part of the season, like, like people would now, now players train in the off season. Mm -hmm. The training would be done in the first part of the season. Not. And so they would show up, um, you know, having spent the entire summer drinking and and getting fat. And so totally. like, one thing you can say in, in uh, to make some kind of case that Yager is, is one of the greatest right wings of all time, or has a, at least can be in the conversation about that is that for a lot of his career, he was playing in a league where all, almost all the players facing him on the ice, especially later on, like in the 21st century, were just like in, in, at levels of, of, of fitness that like nobody in the NHL had seen when like how or Richard were playing, like oh, totally. there might be one or two guys who might be, you know, who, who could like skate um, as hard for as long, but like these guys are all so fit that like, it's impressive, especially when he comes back, you know, like we yeah. said is his last, this past season that he got waived was not good and really bumped down like his, his, um, his average time on ice and stuff like that. But like, the fact that he was still competing in his 40s against guys in this level of uh, fitness is just it's just remarkable it really is yeah it's it it's got to be a testament to how hard he must train to be able to play against guys who are in their 20s or sometimes even in their teen years and they're flying around out there 
and he's still that good that he can play against them. I mean, not to take anything away from what, you know, Gordy Howe did. He can, comes back with the Whalers and he's playing with his sons and he's just, and he's out there still scoring a bunch of points. You're like, man, you're really good at hockey. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the, the 70s and even the 80s were like notorious for guys showing up to summer to, to every time they played the Canada Cup. It was like before the season started. And so all the guys were out of shape. They had to like that year. They're like, we better start training extra early. The Canada Cups this year. Yeah. And that's in the 70s. That's the reason Canada and well, this is the reason Canada claims also because the Russians were quite good as a lot of guys said after like, holy shit, these guys can really play. Um <laughs> When, when they had the summit series, if you watch like those documentaries they've made about it, all the Russian guys are like constantly training in the Russian Red Army. And the Canadian guys are like hanging out by a lake, drinking a bunch of beer and driving a boat, probably hammered out of their minds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just doing 70s things, probably smoking and just like not in shape at all. And then they played against these players who are constantly working out like, ooh, we are really out of shape compared to these guys. They are skating circles around. Yeah, yeah. And, so I think I think that factors in quite a bit. I mean, even like if you look at like you were saying Guy Lafleur before, right? And comparing him to Jaeger, Guy Lafleur used to like notoriously like smoke like a pack a day while he was playing in the NHL and scoring yeah. fifty plus goals a year. Like, man, that guy's good. Imagine if he didn't smoke, how good he would have been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's th that sort of eras comparison. You get into that interesting stuff, and that's. You know, like how playing in the 80s against guys who were starting to realize how much better you could be like by being in shape and some like European talent starting to come in as opposed to Jagger playing like a global game where you have talent from, you know, Slovenia. Yeah, dozens of countries now instead of just three. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the Iron Curtain's down, so all those players can come over now if they choose not to play in the KHL. Um He's really playing against the best in the world in the best shape of, you know, in the modern world of athletes with the best equipment because they're not playing on, you know, butter knives strapped to a boot anymore. <laughs> they're yeah. actual skates that you can fly on. And he's still that good. It's very, very impressive. Like when he came back and got that, you know, 60 point season with Florida, I'm like, man, this guy's good. Like yeah. That is so impressive. Yeah, it's and it's remarkable. It really is. He's like, I, I think that like, I don't know. I making a you know a, a top ten list of like the best skate or top fifteen or whatever best skaters in um, NHL history would be very very hard. And every time they do it, someone does it. It always there's always some name on there that you know drives me crazy. Yeah, of course. Or some name that's omitted. But I think yeah. that it's safe to say that if he's not the greatest right wing ever, he's in the top ten play uh, skaters. I think. Oh um, yeah, I think, and I I think if he's if you make your list and everybody's a little bit partial or you think this guy was better, or maybe you, you know, if you're a little bit older, you focus on more guys that played in the sixties and seventies and, um, or even the eighties because of the point totals. It's like, he has to be in the conversation. Yeah. I don't think anybody would not at least be like, Oh yeah, you're for no, no way. No way. Like, I don't think yeah. anyone would sort of have that attitude It'd be like, yeah, okay, let's think about it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have anything more to say about him? I think we like, we're both agreed. Uh, I think we both agreed uh, pretty – you know what? That's actually probably a really good segue. You just, yeah. uh, we'll, you just we'll, said that we'll, his career was remarkable. Yeah. We'll go from someone who is as uh, the mo one of the most no-doubter Hall of Fame famers in the history of the sport to someone who you can at least – you can make a case both ways as to whether he should be in or whether he should not be in. And he is currently in. He was just inducted last year. Mark Recchi. 
um, who has somewhat of an overlap with Yager, obviously. Reki started a little bit earlier and, of course, ended earlier. Um, but otherwise, there is some overlap um, in terms of their era. And when when Bill mentioned that, you know, they were, though Yager was of the most dominant of the six players to play 1,250 games between 1990 and 2008, he was fourth in games. Well, Reki would be, uh, I believe, number one in games on that list or very close to it. So, uh, Mark Reckie played from 1988 to 2011. Uh, he had 22 seasons, 21 of which he scored at 0.5 per, uh, points per game or higher. He is 21st in goals all time with 577. He is 15th in assists with 956 assists. And he is 12th in points with 1,533. He played 1,652 games, which is fifth all time, and somehow managed to end up with not plus or minus, but zero, uh, which has <laughs> got to be like the biggest fluke. And one of the ways you could see it's really a fluky stat. That is crazy. That is uh, crazy. He had 147.5 point shares in his career, which is not in the top 25. And his average ice time, you can already see the difference in player between Yager and Reki. His average ice time for the last, you know, uh, 14 or so seasons of his career or 13 or something was 19 minutes as opposed to Yager being in the 20s. Uh, Reki is 17th all-time in offensive point shares as well. Uh, he is not in the top 25 in any other uh, category we might talk about. In his draft class, which is 1988, Reki is first in games, second in goals, first in assists and points, despite being taken 67th, uh, which was at the time the fourth round of the draft. Can I pause you there so we can go through some of the other names of his draft class? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously Mike Madano was taken first overall that year. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Linden went second. Um, then we had uh, LeCision third, Jelena uh, seventh, um, Ronan right. eighth. Yeah. Uh, Brindamore ninth, Timu Solani tenth. And I think we may have a, uh, if we're going to talk about, you know, he has the top numbers in his draft class. I think if we're looking at Timu being in that draft as well. Yeah. And Mike Medano and uh, Ronick and Brindamore, some of the sort of numbers where Recky is first, second in points, games, goals, games, obviously, but it's maybe because he played so long because those guys, I think, may have higher points per game. So and goals the, per game, obviously. So yeah, yeah. Right. Like, so the 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 issue is that uh, you know for some reason Hockey Reference doesn't let you see. Um, goals like per game stats yeah. per draft class and uh they have a great tool which is called their uh play finder play and um play index finder but i don't believe you can search by draft class in it so finding out what they are and comparing them is like more work than i wanted to do but it's worthwhile noting mcgillney is also mcgillney's uh fifth in in goals there too so there's a bunch of guys who would definitely have goals per game higher and probably assists per game and points per game um, and you're absolutely right. The reason Reki is a leader in his draft class is because of longevity and not to do with uh, offensive dominance, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and, you know, that's that that would be part of uh, the case against him, absolutely, is that he is not... Well, we'll get into that, uh, especially when we get into his accomplishments or lack thereof relative to, say, Yager. Um of the 26 players to play in at least 1,250 games between 1988 and 2011, Reki is fifth in goals and ninth in GPG. You get an idea. He's maybe not as dominant. 
second in assists, third in APG, third in points, sixth in PBG, fifth in offensive point shares, and sixth in point shares. And the reason it's only 1,250 games as a qualifier instead of like 1,500 or something is because very few players played in as many games as he did over that particular span when he was in the league. Um, he was far and away, like we said, with his draft class, he was uh, he played like 150 games more than Mike Medano. Um, so he was he he was significantly it's almost two seasons longer in terms of like per season, you know, 82 games in a season. So he he you know, he's you know, he's he's uh, of those players, you know, he's a, a top five player when you do counting stats. But when you do uh, um, per game stats, he drops into the top 10. Um, which for his era specifically, not all time. So his 82 game average was 29 goals, 48 assists and 76 points. Uh, his three year peak, which it should be noted was, was one of the times in which the league was exploding offensively mm-hmm. was 45 goals, 63 assists for 108 points minus seven. Um, though I don't put stock in plus minus a lot of the time when you're scoring 108 points and you're minus seven, your team is either really terrible or something else is going on. Yes. <laughs> um, possession. Uh, he is, uh, since 2007, 2008, he was a 48.7% uh, uh, Corsi percentage, a minus 1.4 uh, relative Corsi, which means he was slightly worse than his team, the, primarily the Bruins, I think, during this period. Um, a 48.3 uh, Fenwick percentage and minus 2 uh, Fenwick Rell. So basically he was worse than other players on his team at keeping the puck. And he was also below, uh, what you would consider a league average. And so he was not a positive possession player, but we are talking about the end of his career, the last like three, three, four, four years, I guess, of his career. Yeah. You'd have to assume it would have been better early on. Yeah. You got to assume that. Yeah. Uh, his playoff numbers are 61 goals, 86 assists for 107 points, which doesn't put him in the top 25 of anything, plus nine, and slightly less uh, time on ice, 18 minutes, 23 seconds, though that is, again, from, you know, that is much of his career, but ex- uh, misses the first, like, se- uh, almost first decade, and uh, the time at which he would have been, like, the star player on the, f- like, the first time he was on the Flyers, for example. Yeah. Um, his adjusted numbers are uh, 590 goals, which puts him 23rd all time, 979 assists, which puts him uh, 12th all time, and uh, 1,569 points, which puts him in the top 10 for total uh, adjusted points all time at 9th. Um, his adjusted 82 game average would be 29 goals, 49 assists, 78 points, which is, uh, let me find it, a titch better than his regular numbers, just a titch. Um, if the qualifier is set to 1,250 games, Recky is 20th all-time in adjusted points per game. If it is lowered to, say, 1,000 games, he is no longer in the top. 20, I think he drops, like, 40th or something. Um, he was traded three times in his prime and twice after. He was also waived once, which, you know, may or may not be a, a comment on whether or not he was considered a truly great player of his era. Well, I, th- I think that was sort of the... I think that's actually before he ended up joining the Bruins. I think the, he was on the Canes before that, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think they waived him because he was just sort of getting pretty long in the tooth. Yeah. So it could be sort of like Jagger getting waived. Like this guy can still put up points, but he's old and doesn't fit into where our team's headed. Yeah. We're going to waive him and just sort of let him get on with if he wants to finish his career somewhere else. And- yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
Um, okay, so let's get to the accomplishments. Um, top five in Calder voting for uh, in 1990. He was a top 10 forward by um, o OPS. Yeah, offensive point shares. Offensive point shares, thank you. Uh, <laughs> a top 10 forward thrice in 91, 93, and uh, 2000. Um, he scored 50 goals once, 40 goals five times, 30 goals seven times, 25 goals 12 times, 20 goals 16 times, and he's one of only 17 players ever to do that. So um, sort of in the uh, in the vein of a Mike Gartner where he just consistently puts up goals. You know, yeah. not, not always, you know, not always 40 or 50, but yeah. he's going to get you somewhere between 20 and 35 just about every year. Yeah. Um, he tallied 70 assists twice, one of only three wingers ever, and it's important to make that winger distinction, right? Like yeah, absolutely. Um, 60 assists four times, one of only four wingers ever. 50 assists seven times, only one of five wingers ever. And 40 assists 12 times, one of only four and, wingers and ever. Just to interject for a moment, yeah. though I didn't, I didn't do this for Yager with the wingers, mm -hmm. on that list that you just read out, Yager is one of those wingers every yeah. single time. He would have to be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's important to note, too, that, like, you know, it, uh, being a playmaker as a winger really says something about being a complete hockey player, too. You're yeah. not just a goal scorer. Yeah. Um, he scored 120 points once, which is the Flyer single season record. Um, I'm going to guess that. 123. 123. Okay. So, yeah. pretty nice. Uh, I'm going to guess that that's, that's still the Flyers record because of the era in which uh, Lindros ended up playing. Otherwise, yeah. I'm pretty sure he would have that, right? And just, just since we're talking about it, um, I'm just I'm jumping. So that was in the famous 1993 season in which everyone scored 100 and something points, mm -hmm. and uh, that didn't put him in the top six players. Wow. Um, for some reason, when you click on uh, oh, I'll click on leaders. I was in the summary, um, so that only showed the top five. So that put him tenth overall in the league with 123 points that season. Just. Uh, Nine points ahead of Matt Sundin and Matt Sundin's best offensive season as well, and and twelve points ahead of uh, Kevin um, Stevens. Wow! So, if Kevin Stevens is scoring, you know, anyway, just just <laughs> wanted to mention that it sounds 123 points and the Flyer single season record sounds really great until you put it into context. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that was uh, that was still the sort of the 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 80s way of scoring a million goals and tons of points and everything sort of bled over into the early 90s which yeah. if you didn't grow up watching hockey you sort of forget about like yeah. and i distinctly remember you know watching hockey in like 1988 and 89 and leading up and it was like every game finished 5-4 like they you know they hadn't yeah. figured out the trap yet the goalie equipment hadn't really caught up yet um you know a lot of the guys were still wearing those you know funky little um Helmets that uh, Osgood and um, Dan Clutzi, I think, were the last two to win yeah. in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, is that really a goal? That's all you've got on for the goalie mask? <laughs> Good luck, <laughs> you know? And the pads were still skinny. It was before the goaltending yeah. equipment really blew up. So yeah. um, So it's worth noting that for sure. Um, and 93 would have been Solani's rookie year, right? Um, Something like, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. And so he and McGilney, you know, 76 goals a piece. I mean, that's. It goes to show you. Yeah. It goes to show there's a ton of scoring going on in that era, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it might have even been 94 i can't quite remember um but it's one of those two years and like burray was getting 60 goals although he did that later as well with uh with the panthers during the clutch and grab but i mean like yeah. the goal totals and point totals were insane yeah um, yeah it was absolutely absurd uh, he had 110 points twice, 100 points thrice, 90 points five times, 80 points six times, 70 points 10 times, 60 points 15 times, which, and he's one of only 12 players ever to do that. So again, I think for Recky, all of these numbers seem to just be coming back and pointing out that he's really consistently good. Um, maybe maybe I, not great every year, but he's consistently very good. Yeah, um, yeah. And then 50.17 times, and he's one of only 17 players ever. And I think that just speaks to his longevity more than, and I guess the longevity with quality, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, not just, you know, playing forever because everybody's like, ah, oh, he's a good guy, but I'm on the fourth line. Like he's actually still contributing. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. He was on one second all star team, and he went to seven all star games. So I just, I wanted to stop you for a minute. I, I realized I left something out. Um, yeah. And I was just adding it, but I don't know that you can see it. So I'll just I'll just say it then. Um, he was also uh, I forgot to mention when he was in the league leaders. So he was not he was ninth in goals once. The only time he was in the top ten, uh, he led the league in assists once, uh, top five twice, uh, top ten four times. He was top uh, five in points three times and top ten four times total. And then in, in terms of per game. He never was in the top ten in uh, points. Uh, sorry, goals per game. Sorry, uh, top five in assists per game once, and top ten three times, and top five in points per game once, and top ten three times. So basically, three years approximately when he was among the you know better uh, offensive players in the league, which we already knew because you said the uh, offensive point share thing. It was three times, but anyway, just wanted to mention that. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, and then you mentioned that he was, what, seven All-Star Game appearances, which I don't even know what to make of the All-Star Game appearances, really. Me, but... me neither. <laughs> I mean, there, there, was, there was a certain era where it was like, you basically just knew who was going to be on the, like at the beginning of the season, you could already like call the All-Star and you might be off by one player. Like you just knew who the best guys in the league were and that, that was it, you know? So, and, and, and the other thing is that you really got to, uh, there's always like, players who've played a really long time mm -hmm. like Recky, and I don't, I haven't looked to see which, you know, which all-star games it was. I don't remember, but like, and I don't know if he would have qualified for that. Cause he wasn't quite as, as universally beloved as some, but like Yager probably got this ha happened to him at some point. They sometimes got like recognition all-star games. Totally. So like, I think it personally, I think it's much better to go by the, the all like final end of season all-star teams Mm -hmm. They were named to than the All Star Games because the guys in the All Star Game, you either sometimes you get on because you're the only good player on your team, and sometimes you get on because the league's like, hey, this guy never made an All Star Game, we should probably put him in. Yeah, totally. I mean, and the thing is too, like you have to consider with Recky, it's like it might speak to the fact that he played on good teams, therefore he was never the like you have to send one guy from each team, so maybe yeah. he wasn't the obvious choice from his team every time. Yeah, so maybe that goes into it. Whereas with Jagger, once Lemieux's gone. Who else are you going to send? It's got to be Jagger, right? Like, yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I'm not trying to say that Jagger wasn't great and didn't deserve to go to as many All Star games as he did. I'm sure he did, you know, during his prime. Um, but you know, Recky, 
may have been punished by, you know, the fact that he played with two other great players who got to go ahead of him. And the league goes like, well, we can't send six guys from one team because they're great. Like, we got to balance yeah. it out. Let's send, you know, these two guys from this team. And you're like, well, Recky's probably better than that guy, but they don't have a guy going, so he's yeah. got to go. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah. That so absolutely the, happened, yeah. All-star games, I basically, like, you can say, oh, the guy was at this all-star, like – if you're talking about like being voted to like a first or second all-star team and those are like huge numbers, then you're like, okay, well, you're universally recognized as being one of the sort of top 10 players on the planet or at least in the NHL right now. Yeah. And then, you know, you get somebody where when it's all-star games, like, ugh, you know, John Scott won, you know, was in the all-star game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But once, you know, there's fan voting, there's years where they're like, ah, let's mix up the teams. Let's do a, yeah. let's do it by North America versus the world. Let's do East yeah. West. Let's do, you know, team yeah. Crosby versus team of etch like just whatever the hell they decide to come up with. You're like, well, it's sort of like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. And you got to figure the reporters of that era too. A lot of favors were done and stuff too. You know, oh, that guy's a nice interview. He never gives me any trouble. I'll, I'll vote for him for the all-star game. And then some other guys are real, sort of, uh, you know, never gives him a good quote and tells him to screw off. He's not getting voted in the All-Star game ever, you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think on the whole, like, the number of times a player played in an All-Star game, as much as we're recording, it is is not really necessarily indicative of how good they were. And and it is better to go with the the first and second teams at the end of the year. On the other hand, you know, it is, there are, as we will talk about with other players in the future, I'm sure there are, some crazy controversies around and we have talked about that on on the like introductory episode too of how like sometimes people got left off the all the end of season all-star teams for really weird reasons mm-hmm. um so now i'll just briefly mention uh the the good to great teams that you uh Yager, sorry recky was on um he was the best forward um on one final four which was the 2000 flyers he was a top three forward if you do it by points on the 91 penguins who won a champion but we ought to remember he was on lemieux's line um he was a top six forward on one champion and that would be the 2006 hurricanes he was a top nine forward on the um the 2011 bruins which bill has a lot to talk about and he was a uh top nine player um on the 2004 Flyers, which I find fascinating because I still thought he was kind of better than he was. At least he must have had a bad year that year. Um, he was, oh yeah, before I mentioned the international um, things, also he is one, I believe he's one of the few players, if not the only player, to have won uh, Stanley Cups in three different decades. Um, in, in 1991, in 2006, and in 2011, which I don't know if anyone else has done that. Um, so that's I don't think that necessarily means he should be in the Hall of Fame, but it certainly testifies to his longevity and also his his luck or good decisions in terms of being on certain teams. Um, he was he uh, won a world championship with Canada in '97. Uh, all I could find out in terms of points is he was probably a top six. He might have been a top three forward. It's hard to know. And he won a world junior in 1988, where again. Uh, because the records are not great with international, um, it's hard. There, you have to find the the individual player records are easy to find, but the team records are a lot harder to find. So you have to sort of guess. And he was a top six, possibly a top three forward on on both of those teams. It's worth noting 
that those are his only international successes. And I believe he was on a total of maybe five or six international teams total for Canada. And though some of that may have been his own personal choice, it's worth noting that he wasn't deemed to be among the elite Canadian players a lot of the time for much of his uh, NHL career, which I think says something. I think it does too, yeah. Yeah. So um, you have one or two things I think you want to get off your chest about Mark Recky. Well, I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm sitting around having a coffee and a donut, not a few beers, so I'm probably not going to be quite as uh, uh, vociferous in my protests. Um, I, I'm not going to argue with his statistics. The longevity, the longevity is pretty impressive. Um, I feel like he's maybe a, a bit of a bubble Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, like, yes, his numbers are impressive. Yes, maybe just for the number of years that he played, he should get in. But the thing is, if you look at his overall career, and I, I was surprised by some of the overall numbers he managed to achieve. Yeah. And I never really think of him as he was the best player on his team. I always think, like, he was a top-line player. He played with a lot of really good players. He stayed in the league so long that his good numbers added up to something that looks really impressive at the very end of it. And I think a lot has to be said for his longevity. I mean, he, you know, he got waived. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it was by Carolina um, and then ended up joining the Bruins and being an important member of that team. And I remember Maguire talking about it a lot and saying like people thought he was done. And then, you know, he went on this insane training regimen of doing like hot yoga and, Sort yeah. of rebuilding himself into having like the, the, uh, the, I guess the, the cardio or the physical shape to be able to continue to play in the NHL. Yeah. And that sort of goes along the lines of something like, um, Chris Chelios where, you know, how, did he play till he's 44 or 45? Yeah. Something like that. And so his longevity stuff, even though he, I think Chelios would have been a hall of famer, even without that longevity. Yeah. I agree. He managed to be like a top four defenseman well into his forties. Um, which is insane given the speed of today's NHL. I mean, you know, towards the end, you could kind of see it catching up with him where he was a lot slower, but he was still smart and dirty enough to continue to play yeah, yeah. In the NHL. Uh, but he used to do this thing where he'd like lock himself in a sauna once or twice a week with like gal like a couple of gallons of water. And he called it like his desert ride. And he'd yeah. put a stationary bike in a sauna and bike for like 45 minutes in ridiculous heat and just chug water. And like, that was his like training thing. It's almost like he was like what boxers do to drop weight before a fight. Almost like he was doing that as part of his training, like regularly, like, are you yeah. in, like, that's how badly you want to stay in the NHL. Like, man, you're, you're, I, I admire the drive, you know, yeah. to, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not even that old yet, and I'm like I don't feel like doing that just to you know like I don't feel like doing that if even if you said hey you could make the NHL and make millions of dollars and you've never done it before like you don't have any money compared to these guys like I still don't want to ride a bike in a sauna I do not want to do that <laughs> no I don't either that's terrible yeah so just I mean, just to like no go ahead just to uh, um you know further um just point out what you were saying about Recky not being, uh, you know, the best player on his team most of the time. Um, you know, we, he was a top 10 offensive player three times, right? Yeah. And one of those times he was by points, the best player on the Pittsburgh Penguins in a year where Lemieux played 26 games. Wow. And okay. Lemieux in, in those 26 games almost scored two points a game. It's worth noting. So Recky probably benefited from that to some degree. But here are his teammates. John Cullen, which fair enough, not a big deal. Paul Coffey, 
Yarmir Yager, Lemieux, obviously, uh, Kevin Stevens, which again, like Cullen, more like you know, riding along, Larry Murphy, uh, Brian Trache, super old Brian Trache, but nonetheless, yeah, um, Scott Young, who's just you know a workman like player, like definitely not as good numbers as Recky, but like by any means, but you know another player who was had a long career. And there are other guys who were mostly at the tail end of their career, but there were definitely other players on that team who are in the hall of fame and who also, um, nobody played as long, like, sorry, uh, Stevens and, and, and Yager both played more games than Recky that year, but Stevens was 25 and Kevin Stevens and Yager was 18 and it was his first season in the league. Wow. And, uh, you know, coffee only made it in the 76 games and scored 93 points. And like I said, Lemieux made it into 26. So it was a and it was a stacked team. John Mullen was there, only made in twenty seven games. Recky sort of emerged as the team leader in points because he played seventy eight games. Yeah, and he was presumably when Lemieux was in the league or was healthy, they were playing together. If you go to uh, the ninety three team that he where he set the record in points, the Flyers were not good. They missed the playoffs, and uh, oh, clicked on the wrong thing. Um, they missed the playoffs and. Um, you know, it was not a matter of um, necessarily him being. I mean, basically, it was one of those things where it's a high-scoring league and someone has to score the goals. Um, so on that team, I'm just getting there. Um, he was definitely a star player, but uh, both Brindamore and Lindros were on the team, and Lindros was really young. It might have been his rookie year, and Brindamore was also young. Hold on, I'm sorry, I have to cough. Oh, this winter's killing me. I've been super phlegmy all winter. Anyway. Um, <laughs> been a pretty brutal one. Yeah. So, you know, he he may have indeed been the best player on this team because Lindros was too young. And he certainly, like, uh, this is the one team where he has a fairly um, clear case of being the best player because he, he outscored Brindamore by almost 40 points, which is crazy. But also mean there's no time on ice stats, so who knows? He must have been playing a ton on this team. Yeah, um, and the the stats, I, I don't know, I guess, you know, if he was the best player on that team, because I remember the next, the very next year after the Canadians won the Cup in 93, then he ends up getting uh, traded for John LeClaire and uh, Eric Desjardins. Yeah, um, yeah. And I guess at the time, it kind of, like, he when he came to Montreal, he put up uh, a lot of points, but everybody was always like, oh, God, we gave away John LeClaire, and he has 50 goals a year, and, and yeah, Desjardins, yeah. like, for this guy? Come on. So... I think sort of his stats may have ballooned that year. Like he just had a really hot year and, you know, I guess maybe just the, he was sort of the go-to guy because Lindros wasn't ready yet. So you're like, we have to give him a more significant yeah. role because teams are going to kind of go after Lindros and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? I, don't, I don't know. And and to use LeClaire as a segue, he then later joined LeClaire back on the Flyers. And for yeah. the final year that he was one of the top 10 best offensive players in the year, he was on a team with LeClaire who uh, scored significantly 14 points fewer than him but way more goals obviously yeah um lindros was on that team but only made into 55 games yeah um and presumably the top line i feel like i remember seeing them play together would have been recky leclerc lindros yeah uh, when he was healthy and you know um once again yes recky led the team in, in points but just like the 91 team you can assume that uh, Lindros 
was driving those points a lot of the time. And also, it's worth noting that, like, you know, he led the league in assists that year, I'm pretty sure. And uh, I think so. I think that was the year he led the league in assists. And, you know, that's... there. Uh, there's been a lot of research done since, you know, basically since Recky retired, essentially, um, that has talked about, you know, secondary assists and how primary assists don't necessarily vary over it when they've started they started to track uh primary and secondary assists and now they've discovered that people who get secondary assists a lot or sorry primary assists a lot get them every year consistently you know like like henrik sedin in his prime even if they don't count the secondary assists, it's gonna have a lot of assists every year yeah because that's the kind of player he is people who get secondary assists some years they don't always get them every year depending on who they play with and so one of the things that's worth wondering about recce and and i think it, it the case is probably some of the more primary assists simply because he was you know consistently ha- chalking up a lot of assists is how many of the assists were secondary in the years that he did actually have a ton of assists which yeah. are you know the years we're talking about when he um well two of the three years we're talking about when he uh when he was the you know a top offensive player he was like one year he led the league in assists and another year he had a ton and that's how we got to 123 points yeah and i mean it's it, it um if you track him throughout his career especially the years where he's had big points if you look at the quality of his line mates it's usually like wow he's playing with two guys who are i would say either better than him or at least as good as him in terms of like maybe that guy should be in the hall of fame like they'd be you know maybe not leclerc because i don't think he did it for long enough but like lindros certainly is you know he's yeah. in yeah, um, now he is. Yeah, yeah, and should be in, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Leclerc was a hell of a good player, and if you ask me, you know, who's better, Mark Recchi or John Leclerc, I probably would have taken Leclerc until I've looked at Recchi's overall stats and said, oh, he did it for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm with you with that. I I definitely feel like lunches, you know, like so, I feel like there was a time when John Leclerc, you would have, if you were a GM, you would have wanted Leclerc, not Recchi, on the team. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right around that sort of 99 to 2004 era, I definitely yeah. would have been like, give me John McClare any day. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, it always seems like he's playing with a high quality player. And I'm not saying this because Recky himself is obviously a quality player, but if you always play with good players, you're num- like, I think a lot of defensemen, you know, with a good plus minus, it's like, well, yeah, you play with Lemieux. Of course you have a great plus minus. Like he yeah. scores, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is not screw up so he can get the puck and go score, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played on a hockey team where we played with this guy and he used to, when he was like 10 or 11 years old, a lot of people thought he'd make the NHL and then he just decided he didn't really like hockey that much and just sort of did whatever. But he, he ended up playing on our team in like a lower level league. And it's like, that guy should not be in this league. He's way yeah. good. I had like yeah. 40 assists that year. And all I did was I'd see him skating and be like, here he comes, bank it up the boards. Hey, I got another <laughs> assist. <laughs> yeah. Not even a tape to tape pass. And like, he would just go score goals. But like, I guess I got another assist. Like, not that I cared, but like, just, yeah. You know, somebody's like, yeah, Bill, you have like 30 assists. I'm like, well, yeah, I just always give the guy the puck to that guy. I don't, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely like, I think you can you can definitely look at like some of Recky's teammates. You know, he also played, when you were talking about he was on the Habs, he played with um, Danfus and Turgeon at points. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he he definitely, aside from that one year when he, um, you know, was when Lindros was maybe a little too young and he did set the single season record for uh, the Flyers in terms of points, I think you can pick apart his teams and really do say that, like, yeah, he 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 was healthy 
and uh, he's a good player. But there are players who, when they were healthy on those teams, were clearly better, or like you said, at least up to his ability. Yeah. And this is the thing, like, and I don't know if you wanted to talk about uh, the concussion thing as well. Um, yeah, I was gonna get it. I was, I was but, sort of yeah. waiting for that like Lindros segue into it. Maybe. Oh, okay, but just um, just. Sorry, just before you do talk about that, one of the things I wanted to say about Recky was like, this is the issue we've got into, you know, I think we're going to come back to it time and time again with, with the modern, like the 21st century and the late 20th century with, with all sports, but hockey definitely is like, you get to this point where you kind of, it's hard to say no to someone who has these kinds of longevity stats, you know, like top 15 all time in assists and points. Top five in games, like mm-hmm. even if you if even if you don't think games should count as a longevity stat, it's hard to like say the guy who's n- number five all time in games doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame just because like that is that's a huge accomplishment I think. It, and on the other hand, you look at these numbers and you're like, this is not. I think I know you said he's bubble. I think he's more than bubble based on other people who are in the hall at the current yeah, moment. I, I would agree with that, yes. <laughs> like, there are people in the hall who have less impressive resumes than Recky does, mm-hmm. and we are going to get to them. Um, but, like, I think if you're on the side of a more exclusive hall of fame, you kind of have to wonder at what point do you you start to decide when, with players being so healthy for so long, um, when do longevity stats start to matter less and less or or you just have to say like unless they like break a record for something yeah you know they need offensive dominance as well because it's not like Recky was never a top 10 offensive player in the league he was a couple times yeah but he was a couple times in a over two decade career you know and it's like i want the guys to, who are going to be in the hall to be you know like yager or, or like somebody like, uh, like Lindros, who you know, when he was good, he was so good. Yeah, when he and, was good, he was dominant. You know, yeah, like, unquestionably a top five player in the league yeah. for the years where he was healthy or he was in his prime. Yeah, like yeah. I think for half a decade or probably even six years, Lindros was like one of the top three or four forwards in the entire NHL. Yeah, and that's a lot longer than three seasons over the course of twenty-two years. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, more you know what, with, with Recky, like when I finally started looking at his career numbers and I obviously don't like the guy, so I'm trying to, you know, I'm sort of working with a bias to be against him. Yeah. But to me, it's like, if there was a hall of fame of really good, important players, like maybe not the top guy in your team, but you probably won't win without him being on the top line. Yeah. He's in. Yeah. And the longevity adds to it and his overall career success um, but to me, he was never that like pure dominant player where I'm like, he's a lock for the hall of fame. That's yeah, sort yeah. of what I look at, right? Like if I'm yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, that guy was the best goal scorer in the league for these five years, or that guy was, you know, the best assist getter for these five years, or that yeah. guy won this many cups and was the obviously the most important player on that team, or, you know, sort of road shotgun, you know, with like a say game Ben kind of thing, or, uh, you know, Lemieux yeah. Jagger, like you're, you're the one B to his one a, but you're still like, they wouldn't win without you. You're the Scotty Pippen to the Jordan. Like you gotta yeah. be there. Yeah. That that's hall of fame worthy because if you didn't play on a team with like, if Jagger didn't play on a team with Lemieux, like 
he would have been the guy. So then you would have maybe seen more of him like um, being the number one guy for that team. And he did end up doing that later, right? Once yeah. he knew because of the, you know, his cancer in his back and yeah. all the things that kept him from playing so many games. Yeah. Um, but to me, Mark, Mark Recchi just the, like when I looked at his overall stats and the fact that he never was sort of like the number one guy in the league and he just sort of consistently put forth this not great, but very consistently good sort of career reminded me a lot of uh, Craig Biggio. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Hall of Fame. And yeah. like it just jumped out at me immediately, right? Because when I, I heard Craig Biggio Hall of Fame and I, I remember sitting down and saying like, there's no way that guy should be in. And I was going to write this big long rant. And then I started to look at his career stats. It's like 3,000 hits, this kind of an average, played three defensive positions, never hit below like whatever the number, I can't remember what the number was, never hit below 270, and he played catcher in second base and center field, you know, stole this many bases, did this, won this many golden gloves. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, Biggio doesn't jump out at me as like, wow, remember Craig Biggio? But like, he was just always there being really good all the time. (laughs) And at a certain point, I think that does have to matter. Yeah, especially when there's no big drop off, right? Like, yeah. Well, um, well that's you know, the I, thing, I, right? With Recky is that like, there are years that he was considerably better um, relative to his career. Mm-hmm. You know, like that year that he scored 123 points, he was almost a 1.5 points per game player. Now yeah. that had a lot to do with the league, and he only did that one other time. Mm-hmm. But he also. Um, you know, he never, even in the clutch and grab era, he he was consistently almost a point per game player for a long time, right? Like, um, if you look at his his numbers between his first full season in eighty nine ninety up until up until uh, the the full blown canceled season, yeah, um, I don't think he he dropped below point seven points a game once, yeah, in that is almost two decades, um, and that's you know. There's something, as I will later make the case with Mats, <laughs> probably, <laughs> there's something to that. Like, that is impressive. I, I don't think it makes him one of the greatest hockey players of all time, but that is that is something. You know, like, that's even e- regardless of the fact that the league, the league had, you know, the scoring totally changed. He was still an important player, um, and, and his, his peak was abetted by the high-scoring era, but, like, he still was, like, he was a, a top 10 offensive player in the highest scoring era in NHL history or one of the two of them and also one of the lowest scoring, you know? So there's some, there's consistency there. Oh yeah, that's it. And that, that consistency is something that um, I think has to be admired and definitely does count for something in terms of like, a, you know, you can say like, you know, a lot of other, he was never top 10 or he was only top 10 once and be like, yeah, but how many guys were always consistently in the top however many and never, yeah. ever drop below that. Like even even when they had one of their quote unquote bad years, it was like he's still right in the middle of the pack in terms of like these are the top line players. Like, yep. you know, yep. you're, you're a top line player or let's let's say for argument towards the end, you're a top six player yeah. for your entire 22 year career. There's a lot to be said for that. That is like there's yeah. not a lot of guys who've done that. Absolutely. So, not. Absolutely. Not. I, as much as I, you know, and I'm going to get to this as much as I, you know, sort of disagree with how he ended his career in terms of sort of a stance that he took i can't take anything away from statistically how long he played for and how long he was effective for yeah, um, yeah. to me that that sort of uh that sort of speaks volumes and i i never recall ever even as much as i disliked him at the end of his career 
I never recall ever seeing like, wow, Mark Recchi's a crappy hockey player. Like I never yeah. said that. It's like, wow, he can like he can play, he yeah. can score, he can still do it even at his age. It's sort of like so. There's a lot to be said for that, I think. And consistency when it's like, yeah, maybe he never hit. You know, like I'm gonna make a baseball comparison again, but you know, maybe he never hit 50 or 60 or 70 home runs. Maybe he never you know, stole this many bases, but every year his baseline numbers are consistently like super impressive, or at least like, obviously this guy is a top player. It's pretty hard to argue against that when they never drop off. Like uh, to me at that, that's the point where longevity, not just for longevity's sake, but the consistency going with the longevity, then I think that pushes you towards being a hall of famer. Like uh, yeah. Guerrero's going in uh, this summer for the baseball hall of fame. Yeah. And I remember somebody saying like, Oh, well, you know, he never hit that many home runs in a season, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, he was a 40, 40 guy one year. They just didn't count one of his home runs because they didn't have video <laughs> review, but it definitely was a home run. And then they're just like, you know, also, you know, he stole 40 bases and hit 39 home runs. Like, okay, but that's one season. And I'm like, and somebody was saying, you know, I don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And we're having that argument. And I said, well, there's one stat that I'm going to name to you. And if you still think he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, well, then clearly, you know, I might as well be arguing with a wall. And it was that there are only two players that for 11 straight seasons hit 25 home runs and hit over 300. Yeah. And then he's like, well, who's the other one? Lou Gehrig. He's like, yeah, okay, maybe you should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, it's a pretty good stat. Like, yeah. but it's just that consistency of like he's always gonna hit you 25 or 30 home runs. He's yeah. always gonna have an average over 300. And until his knees started to go because he was playing on concrete in the Big O, um, yeah. you know, he used to steal you kind of 25, 30 bases a year as well. He didn't have a particularly high success rate, but he could steal bases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that cannon for an arm, and you, you go on and on about all the things that made him great and consistently that great kind of thing, you know. Um, yeah, and and, and Recky did, and Recky did like, you know, do things consistently that we, you know, we know he's not in the necessarily top ten, but we mentioned, you know, he's one of only seventeen players to score twenty goals sixteen times, and you know, same thing with fifty points. Yeah, and and these are like, you know, that's seventeen players sounds like a lot until you think, well, you know, there's what there's six to 700 players in the NHL right now, yeah. you know, 17 players isn't a lot. And, and the thing is too, like you look at if Gartner's in, yeah. and you consider the, uh, let's say half of Recky's career, he played in an era where 20 goals was kind of the new 30 goals. Yeah. 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 It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like, I, I don't have really a statistical argument why he shouldn't be in. Yeah. I really don't. I think based just purely on stats and, you know, unless you're going to turn and, and given what the Hall of Fame is already, unless you're going to turn it into a Hall of Greatness, not very good, then yeah. I'd say, OK, maybe you can keep him out. But otherwise, like there's no way that he shouldn't be in. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't really have an argument per se. Um, mine would have been a character argument. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, basically just comes from 2011 because of what happened in Montreal when Patchy Reddy got uh, blasted into the stanchion uh, by Chara. And, you know, didn't get suspended for it. And he had this quote, um, which he put out there. And it was uh, sort of, and, and it's yeah, obviously he played for Boston and we know what the Boston media is like. And yeah. these, you know, radio interviews on 98.5, the sports hub. <laughs> and they say ridiculous things all the time. And I mean, if you've ever listened to a Bruins broadcast and you've heard Jack Edwards basically 
a cheerleader for the Bruins and everyone else is evil and bad and the Bruins yeah. are great. Um, but I, he, he said something and every, and, and this is, I think this comes the, for the fact, cause this is before they, this happened before they had played the Canucks. Right. So I didn't yeah. have any real sort of hatred for the Bruins. Um, in fact, I'd always rather preferred them to the Habs cause I grew up just getting trash talked by, um, yeah. Canadians fans constantly. So I was like, yeah. anytime the Bruins beat them, I was kind of happy. But then that season, the rivalry between those two teams got amped up to like a ridiculous level. And there were some fights. Um, I remember Price had, uh, had Tim Thomas down at one point and like elected not to keep punching him. Cause he had clearly yeah. like he had him down on the ice. And then my, my buddy, uh, my buddy, John and I were watching the game and he's like, Oh, that's good. He's like, Price is a classy guy. He didn't hit him. I'm like, yeah, well, they are not going to do the same thing when your guys go down. So yeah. watch this. And yeah. then like five seconds later, I think it was Gregory Campbell was punching someone in the face with like, and he still had his uh, elbow pad on. He was like cutting the hell out of him. I'm like, see, what Jesus. did I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is not how they play. Like, and so, and this was b- before the 2011 final. So I didn't really have a sort of a dog in the uh, dog yeah. in the race, sort of, so to speak, just that's kind of the way I saw it. And I thought I was quite impartial at the time. Um, but then, you know, the, the Chara incident happened, Pacioretty, you know, broke his neck and had a concussion. And then, um, you know, like the next day, Recky was on the radio and he said, you know, well, I mean, he does have a fractured vertebra, but the concussion was really a non-factor. Maybe one day he felt it and then he felt fine a couple of days later because he went to a movie, right? Yeah. Posted on Twitter that he was going to see a movie or something. Yeah. And then he says, you know, I believe they were trying to get Zidane suspended and they embellished it a little bit. I guess in terms of that side, you have to look at it and I guess they're trying to do what they could do to get him suspended. So that was his criticism that Montreal was trying to get Zidane suspended by making it look worse than it was by claiming a concussion that wasn't there, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. Now, this comes from a guy who played with Lindros, yep. maybe maybe the greatest concussion-related tragedy in terms of having a career cut short in all of sports. Yeah. Um, you know, he could have been arguably one of the top five players to ever play the game if he had had the consistency that, let's say, Recky had. Yep. I don't recall Recky ever being concussed. So yeah. if he had played 22 years, I believe his numbers would probably be approaching, maybe not Gretzky, but like he'd be beating everybody else. He'd be ahead of, I think he'd probably be even ahead of Jagger, but then you have to factor in that three years where Jagger disappeared. So yeah, yeah. Um, and he was still sort of in his prime. Uh, but, you know, he played with a lot of guys who had big time concussion issues, including, uh, and, you know, he made reference to this too uh, later on. You know, he played with Mark Savard, who had his career, which is another horrible thing where, a, you know, a great player had his career completely ended by concussions. Yeah. Um, and then, in, in fact, because of that concussion, it should have been because of the Lindros concussions. But, you know, the NHL is notoriously slow in catching up with everything. And, yeah. you know, the, the NFL hadn't sort of hit its like, oh, my God, concussions are killing everybody moment yet, I guess. Yeah, they but, haven't. Yeah, they probably still haven't. You're right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're going to pay you $60 million, but you might not live that long. Yeah. Um, or you might kill your family. Yeah. Or you might kill your family or shoot yourself in the chest. You know, all yeah, those yeah, great yeah, things yeah. that are happening to these guys. Um, but, you know, for a guy who played with players that have had those sort of horrible concussions, I think he also played with Rod Brindamore, who I believe missed a good chunk of his career to concussions. Keith Primo as well. Keith Primo. Uh, Keith Primo had his career cut short. So he played with a lot of guys that this happened to. Yeah. And so for then for him to say that he thought Max Pacioretty didn't have a concussion and they were just trying to get uh, Chara suspended was a pretty shitty thing to say. Yeah. Um, you know, and 
I remember the Montreal media sort of like, and, and he had played for Montreal too. So people still liked Recky. Like he had a lot yeah. of respect in Montreal. And then people were referring to him all the time as Dr. Recky. Like, oh, I guess he's diagnosing concussions now. Why doesn't the NHL hire him to be the new concussion yeah. guy? Must know what he's talking about. Like very, people were really upset with that. Um, and, and, and just, because, sorry, just as you were mentioning players, also Bergeron, right? And, and yeah. Horton too. Yeah. Bergeron Horton. This was before Horton had his big. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to get to that part of it. Okay. Okay. But I mean, you know, Bergeron, I think missed the first two games against Tampa Bay in that playoff run because of a concussion. He just ran into Giroux. It wasn't even like a big yeah. headshot or anything. Yeah. So, I mean, he played his whole career and was seeing this happen to not just other guys in the league, his teammates on yeah. a regular basis. And then to say something like that and just say, well, I guess they're just trying to get him suspended. I mean, sure, he's got a broken neck, but he doesn't have a concussion and they're just trying to get this guy suspended. And then, you know, it's to to, to me, it's sort of like one of those things where you wouldn't expect it from a guy like that, especially somebody who's seen it happen to so many people that he ostensibly either cared about or got along with at the very least sort of seemed like a really crappy thing to say. And sort of it, they were just starting to put in the rules where they, you know, if if it's a blindside hit, if it's targeting the head, we know this is no good. And so to say something like that, where it's like, and even, you know, he could have just said, you know, I don't think Zidane meant to hit him in a distension. That would have been fine. That's what teammates are supposed to say, right? That's what every Bruins fan, Bruin, you know, uh, on the team, anybody associated with the team would have said. Yeah. But to go into the now he, he didn't even have a concussion. Sure, he's got a broken neck, but they're just they're just adding the concussion to try to make Zidano get suspended and that they embellished it a little bit. It's a really shitty thing to say. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know, later on that season, of course, Nathan Horton gets, you know, blasted in game three of the Stanley Cup final. Uh and the and the Bruins, you know, and, and I think Mark Re- Mark Recchi was kind of echoing that sentiment coming out of Boston that the Canadians added the concussion and released Max Pacioretty's status before the meeting that the league had with the Zidane Ochara to decide if he would be suspended. Yeah. And I remember everybody in Boston being furious. Oh, they're just trying to get him suspended. That's why they released the medical thing this early. And they don't even know if he has concussion yet and blah, blah, blah. And then after game three, the, uh, the meeting for uh, Aaron Rome's hit on Nathan Horton was at 11 a.m., the next day and uh the the bruins announced this morning that horton will miss the rest of the playoffs with a severe concussion yeah (laughs) and the timing of the announcement uh the the article is written at 10 47 a.m and the the meeting with the hockey operations was at 11 a.m so Uh, basically they did the exact same thing that recce was calling out montreal for doing yeah and then it did actually result in a suspension and it had to be mike murphy who uh who did the meeting because uh because colin campbell his son was playing for the Bruins, so they couldn't have that conflict of interest. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mike Murphy said, well, I talked to a bunch of people, including Brian Burke. But like, Brian Burke hates the Canucks. They fired him. Like, why would you talk to that guy? Anyways, he's getting suspended. Now, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been suspended. It was a pretty late hit. Yeah. But And argue, arguably blindside. But if the Chara one didn't get somebody suspended, I, but then again, you can't really look into intent, right? So Yeah, you can't. It was the, it was the fact that basically they were probably scared that you know the Bruins rank would get burned to the ground the next night if they didn't actually suspend him. So there's, yeah. there's that point as well. So 
probably they had to suspend they had to suspend uh, Aaron Rome for the safety of the Green Men so they would get out of the city of Boston alive. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're just that's the only point I wanted to make, and honestly, it's the only reason I have anything negative to say about Recky. It's just I thought it was, and if he had been a guy where you know ah none of his teammates have ever been really concussed until the Nathan Horton thing. And then he had said something like, wow, and I'm sort of now that I'm on the other side of it, I I realized what I said was really shitty. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, I got some respect for that guy. He learned, he's learning a lesson. It's like yeah. he already knew that lesson pretty well when he said it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the last thing I'm going to say too, just to finish off the little hypocrisy thing, which I'm sure this has nothing to do with Mark Recchi personally, but you know, they released the, the, the information to get, Aaron Rome suspended. Same thing that the Habs did to try to get Zdeno Chara suspended. If that's you, if you believe that that's what those two teams were trying to do. Yeah. And then in Game Six, Nathan Horton was out there waving the flag. Oh yeah, yeah. Flag before Game Six in an arena that is way louder than a movie and has way more flashing lights than a movie. Yeah. And it was fine, and nobody said anything. It's like, well, I wonder what Doctor Recky thinks about this. And there's, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of circuit. People in Montreal were really not happy during that one. It's probably the only other city that was on Vancouver's side, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's I I I honestly uh, living not living in Boston or Vancouver or Montreal during any of this. I yeah, not having a vested interest in it. Either. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't even remember the Patrick Reddy hit. Actually, um, I remember the the after effects. Uh, I just didn't remember who hit him. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I I it's a really, it's a dickish thing to say. And it really does speak to like, like almost sometimes I think athletes are like competitive past the point of like being reasonable. Oh, and, absolutely. you know, I, I, I suspect if I were to try and figure out what his intentions were in that it was that he, he know he knew Chara's importance yeah. and for his team and really like thought that, uh, Montreal was doing everything it could to get him suspended. Um, now, it does really seem like a ridiculous thing to say, given all his huge long history of playing with players who have seen their careers partially, you know, compromised or completely compromised by uh, concussions. Um, totally. And, you know, it, it doesn't, I, I did not realize he'd said that. And, you know, it's a really ridiculous thing to say. That being said, you know, he won't be the last one. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you, would, you would hope that he would be because yeah you'd hope so but yeah but it's it's hockey culture but the thing is it was sort of in that era where it was supposed to be changing yeah yeah no i i get it i get it and i as speaking as someone who's had a minor concussion nothing anything remotely i'm not trying to say for a second that my concussion that i have had was anything like say the ones that Lindros had or anyone playing a sport has had like mine was not severe but having had one i know what concussions are like and i also know that it would be possible to watch a movie it would even be possible depending on how you were feeling to walk into especially if you're trying hard enough to walk into a arena and uh wave a flag it doesn't mean you're okay doesn't um, mean you're okay it doesn't mean you're gonna be fine in a week from yeah. now because and it doesn't like, mean yeah. that it makes it okay the things that happen because one of the things with concussions and i can testify from personal experience is sometimes you feel totally normal Yep. And and then you feel terrible and you can't, it takes a long time, certainly not a couple days afterwards before you figure out what triggers the not normal. Totally. And, yep. and it's super easy to think you're okay 
because I I definitely did when I had mine, and I had a minor one, and nothing compared to Pac, uh, Pacioretty's, I'm sure, or Horton's, uh, both of which were terrible. Oh yeah, yeah. and really and so like yeah. it is hard if you've never had one to to get that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, things were supposed to be changing, yeah. and they seem to have changed more now. Yeah. But it it's still you know statements like what he made weren't helping. Um, okay. Unfortunately, people are still, I think, especially in in the NFL, um, occasionally saying things where you're like, yeah, you really don't get this. And like, unfortunately, I feel like the only way you would ever get it is if you actually had one yourself. It's yeah, <laughs> not a solution. It's, um, it's, it's interesting because uh, a lot of the players, and I think Pronger and both Primo are on record as this, where they've they've spent like a year of their lives where they basically can't function because they never know when it's going to hit it. When it does, they yeah. have to be like in a dark room by themselves. Yep. Like it's, yep. it's basically like they get, I don't want to make this comparison, but like I had a couple of concussions. So it was a really bad one when I was a kid playing hockey, hit my head on the ice. And uh, ever since then I've had migraines Yeah. Um, and I get fewer and fewer of them. It seems year by year, but That's they good. do still happen. And it's like, basically the only cure is to, for me, you know, like pop a couple of uh, aspirin or ibuprofen and immediately go to bed. Yeah. Um, or I'll, as, as the headache progresses, I'll start to lose the vision on each side and then I'm like incapacitated for a day or two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's just from having a, you know, a concussion uh, literally 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Have some lingering effects. Cause I, I don't remember ever getting a migraine before I hit my head. Yeah. Um, and I've sort of had them ever since. Um, and, you know, these guys like Pronger and, and Primo and I'm sure Lindros were on record as being like, you know, I, I had to sleep in a dark room for years. Like, uh, you know, my wife was, you know, basically raising the family by herself. Like I couldn't do a damn thing. And yeah. then I'd have a day where I'd be like, oh, maybe it's getting better. I'm finally getting back on my feet. And I get on the exercise bike and immediately have to go back to the room, like just not doable at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, they can be really debilitating and it's different for each person because, we don't know exactly how the brain got hurt when you got bounced, when you bounced your head off the ice or the glass or somebody's stick or whatever happened to you. So we, it's like, we just don't understand them yet. Maybe we never will, but what is very clear is that no two concussions are alike and you don't know when or where the symptoms will show up. Yeah. So for some guys be like, Oh, I got hit in the head. I'm ready to go coach. Put me back in the game. And then three weeks later, the guy's like, Oh my God, I can't see. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't Absolutely. Know right so yeah yeah so on that note um speaking of terrible things to happen to athletes oh there we go i think that is a good segue (laughs) to talk about our final player uh joe hall who is in the hall of fame um and uh we're going to start off with uh bill just going over um his uh his career career statistics let me uh let me just flip from uh from my recce one to my joe hall one and i'll be right with you Sorry, I've got them on my phone, so I can do both at once. <laughs> it's okay. I got them in front of me. If you wanna, if you want me to go. Yeah, it should just take a second. I'm just uh, All sort right. of lost in my. Here we go. I got it. Um, Joe Hall, who's not just in the Hall of Fame because his name's Hall, by the way. Yeah, I mean that—that that is a good reason, but. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Okay, Joe Hall, career. Played in the NHL for two seasons, 1917 to 1919. Two seasons, both quality. 
as far as we know. Yeah, as far as we know from yeah. the from the reports from uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Two Finger Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, when when I started reading this, I was like, "Oh, maybe I should do it in uh, you know like an old gangster voice." And then I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute, he was dead before the gangster era yeah, yeah, yeah. Even started." Yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense. Uh, that's how old this guy is. Yeah. Um, so he played 15 games, which was uh, 16th all time at his. That's 15 death. goals, sorry, actually. 15 goals. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> in 37 games. Yeah. 16th all time at the time of his death, with nine assists, which was 12th all time. Uh, 24 points, 16th. So he's uh, he's a top 15-ish player there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. If if we're to believe what was in the papers, and uh, he had an 8.4 point share, which was fourth. And you have to keep in mind as well, um, he was a defenseman, right? So, yeah. um, at his death, Hall was third all time in defensive point shares. Yeah. Um, his 82 game average, if you put it together, would be 34 goals, 20 assists for 53 points. And uh, in an era where there were there was only one assist, yeah. Um, if they even gave the assist, most times probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they the definitely. Didn't. The thirty-four goals kind of jumps out. It's pretty. Yeah. Um, the playoffs, he had one assist for one point in seven games. Um, Hall held the career record for playoff games played, along with many others, until nineteen twenty. Um, adjusted, he would have twenty-two goals and forty-seven assists for sixty-nine points. Uh, his adjusted 82 game average would be uh, 49 goals, 104 assists for 153 points. So if you're comparing him to his peers, I mean, he's obviously a standout player. Um, if the qualifier is set absurdly low for Hall to qualify, then Hall is 16th all time in adjusted points per game, which is kind of, as you put in brackets, very silly. Yeah. So that would be, I believe that was 37 games. If the qualifier yeah. is set to 37 games or Probably. something like that, or 25, yeah, or I don't know. So small that, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was traded only when the NHA became the NHL. So with the league changes is when he got traded. So it's yep. kind of not a factor, right? And yep. the NHA, he had uh, 52 goals, maybe in the top 20. <laughs> I don't know. 17 assists, maybe in the top 20. <laughs> uh, for 69 points in 137 games, which may or may not be first because he played a lot, it seemed. Yeah. Um, and in the playoffs, he had five goals for five points in four games that are on that, record, maybe? That, that is a guess, yes. Yeah. And those, those would be cup challenge games, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, yeah, they would be, yeah. So it's hard to know because the, the NHA did have its own playoffs as well. But the, the data is so like all over the place. I'm not sure whether those those five uh, those four games are NHL sorry, NHA games or cup challenge games. Not 100 percent sure. I know. Is the the information's not great. That's what what are we gonna do, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, he was uh, according to point shares, he was a top ten player once in nineteen eighteen, and he was the best defensive player by defensive point shares once in nineteen eighteen, which is how he got to be the top ten in point shares. But it's worth noting that because goal differential was not tracked for another uh, 50 years, um, we don't really know what that means because a big determinant of point of the point share formula is goal differential. And we don't have that. So it's a, it, uh, I don't remember the formula off the top of my head, but the formula is lacking one of its key components at this point. So, you know, who the hell knows whether he really was the best defensive player in 1918. Um, and, and the other season he was top five, uh, again, by a very, very flawed defensive point shares. He also was top 10 in assists one of his two seasons. Wow. It's uh, 
pretty unreliable stats, but it does seem like he was a very um, important player yeah. of that era, right? Without, yeah. without knowing any better. I mean, it doesn't, there's nothing to say that he wasn't an important yeah. player. Um, okay, so the great teams. The uh, Stanley Cup was vied for by multiple leagues. So you kind of have to just, or were they a team that either won or competed for the cup, basically, yeah. is how you know they were good. Yeah. Um, so he was uh, top two by points on one NHL runner-up, the 1918 Canadiens. He was a, t- a top four defenseman by points on one Stanley Cup finalist, the 1919 Canadiens. Series not completed due to the Spanish flu. I think they were playing Seattle. I, um, that sounds right, yeah. Uh, and that is the Spanish flu, which killed Hall and millions and millions of other people. Yes. And they had to cancel it because they're like, well, we can't have thousands of people in the same rink on the same night or everyone's going to get the flu. This is yeah. done. Um uh, the captain and best defenseman on one Stanley Cup champion, the uh, 1912 Bulldogs. Uh, the best defenseman with a question mark, we don't know, but we're yeah. guessing he was at least a very important defenseman on another Stanley Cup champion, the 20, uh, sorry, 1913 <laughs> Bulldogs. Um, and a reserve by points on one Stanley Cup champion, the 07 Kenora Thistles. Yep. Um, which I believe was the last sort of small town club team to win the cup. I believe it was. Yes. Um, I've, I've been watching my history of hockey stuff. <laughs> um, uh, he was a top two defenseman on one Stanley cup runner up the Oh four Winnipeg rowing club, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and unfortunately he died from the Spanish influenza contracted during the Stanley cup final. Um, and the fact that he contracted it, I believe, is why they stopped playing it. They're like, oh, yeah. the players are getting it. This We got to get everybody out of this rink kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so I guess maybe the uh, the premature death and what a sad story it is and the fact that he was a very good player kind of makes him um, sympathetic yeah. enough to be inducted quite early in the Hall of Fame. What, what, was he inducted with the initial... Um, I don't think so. I think it was much later. I, I'm going to double check right now. Um, I believe, yeah, 61, so way later. Okay. So, yeah, um, when they were starting to make amends for players that they had missed. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there was definitely, some of it is just the sympathetic appeal of, like, the man essentially died from playing hockey, essentially. Yes. Um, but also, you know, without better knowledge, he appears to have maybe been the best defenseman in NHA history, at least the one who played the longest. Like, uh, Georges uh, Boucher came in at the end there, and I think another one of the other early great NHL defensemen, maybe oh Harry Cameron, and I think also maybe uh, one of the Cleghorns. I cannot remember which. Also, I think played in the NHA, but Hall played for the entirety of the league. Yeah, and and nobody else. None of those. All those other guys were younger and came in like in the late, like right before the switchover. Like I think Harry Cameron played one year in the NHA, for example, mm-hmm. and. So I think in addition to, you know, the, the like, man, he, he's like the only player to have, as far as I know, contracted an illness during the Stanley Cup final and die as a result. And that makes him notable in and of itself. I think there's probably a case to be made. He was the best, or at least one of the very best uh, defensemen in the precursor to the NHL which was probably the best pro league at the time. And, you know, and he was clearly, even if we can't trust the point shares, we, we can trust, sort of trust the assists, um, sort of. And, uh, you know, we know he was a, 
a uh, a strong offensive defenseman for an era in which you know offensive defensemen were well the role was still being defined but yeah. um you know aside from maybe Harry Cameron they weren't super common i mean i don't this is not a case that i i really object to i think with it, we don't have enough knowledge but like he to me anyway i mean he was on a bunch of great like teams for the era that were good i mean he won multiple cups um he may have been the best defenseman or even the best player on some of those cup winners you know he may have been the best defenseman in nhl history we don't know like i i think it's a pretty solid case yeah i th- i think so too and i think the um it's sort of that thing um, where we know that he was good. We know that he played uh, a very important part of hockey history because that was the up until the uh, the lockout season where Bettman scrapped the entire season for us. Um, <laughs> are we gonna have an episode just about Bettman and we can just bicker about it? Or <laughs> we could, we could. Maybe that's just a private episode for the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably say some nasty things. Yeah. Um, so, but the fact that he played such an important part of hockey history was the reason that there wasn't a cup one year and ended up dying from it. Yeah. Um, the fact that hockey seems to have this history of much later than they probably should um, voting in guys who sort of started up the league, but especially the ones who um, sort of died tragically young and they were great players when they when they died and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, it's sort point. of the it's actually sort of the way that they started um, the all-star games um, yeah. or benefit games for guys that were hurt or had died and to try to, because they didn't have any sort of insurance. So if he died, like what are his wife and kids going to do? Like, they, yeah, they didn't yeah. work. like, what do we do? So, and the NHL, all of those other guys are in, as far as I know, unless um, I'm trying to think of um, Barilko's not in. I don't think he was yeah. a good enough player before he died. He's not in. Yeah. Um, but I think just based on the story, if he's not a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, there should be a section devoted to that. Yeah, Especially yeah, the sure. super creepy thing where until they found his body, the Leafs didn't win the cup again. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Hod Stewart was the first one, which I discovered during my research on the uh, uh, ECHA and the, the sort of the before NHA era. So he died in, uh, I believe it was 1908 or 1909. Might yeah, something like that. But he was sort of the first guy. When he died, they did a benefit, and it was basically the very first All Star game um, yeah. to try to raise money for his family. Um, and then, of course, I now I, I I'm looking for it, but I don't see that they did one for Joe Hall. Probably think... because the Spanish influenza was around, and they're like, "Well, it'd be great to have a benefit game, but everybody will die." So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then they did the same for Ace Bailey when he had his career ended. He didn't die, but yeah. he had his career ended in a, an incident with Eddie Shore. There's those Bruins again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it did happen at the Boston Garden for real, though. Um, yeah. uh, and then they played, so they played the Ace Bailey benefit game at Maple Leaf Gardens. That was sort of the very first sort of all-star game idea. But obviously, they had already done one for Hod Stewart, so I guess yeah. it wasn't. It was just the first NHL, because I think Hod Stewart was pre-NHL, right? Yes, he was. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And then uh, and then they did the same for Howie Morenz when he died from from his broken leg. So yeah. Um, so that's sort of like this tradition. And all those guys are in the Hall of Fame, every single one of them. So. I yeah. think it's sort of that. Um, yeah, eventually they're like, maybe we Joe Hall should be in there. Yeah, where it's, where it's like you died or had your career ended 
by playing the game that you love and you were also a very good player, we should probably stick you in the hall. That seems like a good thing to do. Yeah, I, I think it's a re- I think it's a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. I think uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have much else to say about it. And I think, you know, it's hard to know, mm-hmm. not just because of the issues with numbers and, and things like that, but also because of the position he played. You know, it's easier. We can look at, you know, Cyclone Taylor and New Zealand alone and be like, hey, look, those guys had more goals than everybody yeah. else but- or whatever. And, like, we, we can be pretty definitive. But with a defenseman back then, it's really hard to tell. But the best we can do, it sure looks like, you know, he was, you know, the guy, the the top 10 in scoring every year back in the NHA was always forwards, always yeah, forwards. Absolutely. And, but he was, and Hall was never in the top 10, but he was close a couple of years. Yeah, which is, um, I think uh, 14, 13, 14, he was yeah. almost in it, if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, that's saying something. And also, I think that he probably played the most games or very close to the most games in the history of that league. You know, it, it's, it's hard even if you don't have the the death in the Stanley Cup from the influence on the Stanley Cup final, I think it's still even without that, you could at least argue that he was um, deserving because if he is really the career games played leader of the NHA, I mean that's a big deal for the history of the game, yeah. and it's something that should be recognized. And also, he seems to have probably been pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> probably. You know what? It's it's one of those things where probably a long time ago the nhl should have sort of defined like when they were putting all these guys in from they really started putting in the old guys like in the 40s 50s and like early 60s they had like years where they put in like 10 guys yeah yeah Uh, and you know that's like um there was the the 1952 when they put in the two mooses Um, yeah yeah (laughs) moose johnson and moose i think it was gayhorn or yeah it's something i don't know it starts with a g um yeah but two guys named moose went into the hall of fame in the same year which i just that's fantastic but it was sort of like they were honoring the history of the game but maybe they should have like not called them players and said you know these are the founding members of the hall of fame or made like a different yeah. section for them almost yeah yeah because, but i guess in the 60s the stats were still unreliable so it didn't seem to matter very much to them <laughs> yeah and yeah the voting committee if it's anything like today where you get the old guys like Pat Quinn and, uh, you know, like sort of the uh, Maguire just got named, I guess he's finally old enough. He's probably in his fifties. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it seems like you have to have been around hockey for like a minimum of 30 or 40 years before they put you on the selection committee. So if we want to assume that that's the way it used to be with sort of the old guard of hockey running things, then some of those guys probably actually saw those guys play and said, yeah, that guy was great. He should totally be in the hall, you know? And then they just had a vote they didn't have any stats or anything yeah yeah I, I think that's probably right probably right so um i guess just to finish up we should just like remind everyone what our verdicts are i think we're, we're pretty much on the same page here but yager i think we're both i mean not only are we both sure he belongs but i would i would probably without you know sitting down and thinking about it i would probably put him in if not a top 10 player ever which i probably would it would be top 15 at the very lowest i think yeah i i i think he's a lock for top 20 yeah i i'm pretty sure he'd like i haven't sat down and done it but i'm pretty sure he'd be top 15 for me and then top 10 arguably like you know depending on how many old timey guys i wanted on the list he'd be yeah of of guys i've seen play i'd say he'd be top 10 
Yeah. And I think it like even if you like if you were just to say, okay, let's let's just do modern NHL mm -hmm. from like, you know, the expansion onwards. Hell you know, yeah, I think if you do that, then he's like hands down top ten. I think. Oh yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Just uh, how long he's played, how good he was in his prime, how I mean there there were a string of years there, I wanna say from about 97 to maybe 2001 2002 where he was clearly the best player in the league probably yeah. because lemieux you know was away from the game and when he came back he wasn't quite as dominant yeah um but i mean he was probably the best player on the ice uh in yeah any game you put him in i th think if you were to go and like actually like go into hockey reference and like you know narrow it down to a certain span yeah. when he was regularly getting nominated for the uh, heart trophy like almost every year, mm -hmm. um, I think you would you would see that like whether you do it by like totals or or rate statistics, he's one or two in almost everything that matters. You know, yeah, obviously yeah. we wouldn't have possession for that, but we can assume based on his old age possession that his possession numbers would have also been incredible. Exactly, and you don't think of Jagger as like um, sort of like a defensive forward by any stretch of the imagination, but. Yeah. He, he played in the clutch and grab, continued to score points, obviously would have had to play some sort of a trap system for his coach. He played for the Czechs, so, I mean, those and, guys are probably the best at the trap. And uh, to paraphrase Daryl Sutter, if your team has the puck, that's good defense because the other team can't score. <laughs> wow, that uh, sounds like a very Daryl... He spoke that much in one sentence? Like, I one mean, uh, I'm, 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 uh, I might have added some words. And I don't remember exactly what he said. I just remember like the the blog, the hockey blogs I follow where they're very into like advanced metrics got really excited when because he was in an interview and like basically showed that even an old school hockey guy got the idea that possession is good for winning games because he was like this is when he was still the coach of the Kings I think yeah and he was just like you know they asked him about like possession or something and he was like well if we have the puck the other team's not going to score so it's good it's good defense yeah that's that's a great question because that goes against good old hockey knowledge where that didn't matter yeah. all that mattered was being in the right place at the right time and uh, yeah, you know yeah. clutch play and all that stuff it's, yeah 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 it's, it's almost the antithesis of this uh this great rick green quote that i that i always go back to whenever playing in a garage league and some guy like you know i i, I don't play hockey anymore because too expensive um but you know like i played in in a in a garage league every guy wants to play forward right so yeah and being the actual only natural defenseman i'd always end up playing with a forward as the other defenseman so i'd always just tell him be like okay you're gonna listen to a quote by one of the great defensemen of all time his name's rick green <laughs> he scored one goal every two years or so and played for the canadians and his quote was if i if i ever get lost in the defensive zone and i don't know where i'm supposed to be I go right back to the front of the net because that's where they have to score. <laughs> <laughs> so I, just, I would just tell them that, but like, if you don't know where you're supposed to be, just go back to the net. <laughs> that's, that's the old school hockey mentality. I don't care if that guy's in the corner doing stuff, go back to the front of the net. Damn it. <laughs> Crash and bang. Good old Canadian hockey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so uh, for recce, I think we're both fairly agreed that like, Based on the current criteria that the hall seems to have, mm -hmm. he belongs. Yeah. Um, and that if it was a more exclusive hall, he probably wouldn't. 
Yeah. Um, but but ju just barely, though, I think, too. Like, yeah. And I mean, it really depends w with your definition of exclusivity because he has some of those longevity numbers, you know, I mean, yeah. 12th all time in points. You don't want the person who's 12th all time in points in the Hall of Fame. You should have a good reason. That's it. Well, that's basically it. You'd have to. The only the only argument you can really make against him is that he was never brilliant. You never would have considered him the best player, probably even in his division. Yeah. Um, maybe not even on his team, except for maybe that one year when Lindros was still baby Lindros and they, you know, didn't want to sort of expose him too much or he wasn't quite ready to figure out the NHL game yet. I mean, you never say like, oh man, that team's going to win the cup for sure. They got Mark Recchi. Like that was not, yeah. you know, yeah. so, but given that what we know about the hall of fame and some of the guys who were in there, guys like um, Gartner, it's going to suck that we keep picking on him. Cause he was a, he was a really good player. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, but he's the, the he's the easy one to think of because he's the guy with 700 goals where you're like, how, how what? many years did he score 30? Yeah. Goals? Yeah. 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 So that's it. I mean, you know, like do, do we, you know, do we want, you know, un unless the NHL suddenly decided that we only want guys in who've scored 50 goals or a hundred points and you have to have been your leading, your team's leading scorer this many, unless they put in qualifiers like that, a yeah. guy who puts together a very long, uh, more than way more than respectable, like a very long, very good career, then maybe that guy should go in the hall, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's, and then you get other guys like, um, you know, Lindros, like, oh, we could imagine what his point totals would be if he didn't have all the concussions. Or yeah. Forsberg, oh, yeah. imagine what he would have been able to do if he didn't have his foot issue. Yeah. And it's like, then you're sort of extrapolating and basically saying, you know, if we're going to go, if longevity is a factor, we're basically saying this guy would have continued to do that if he didn't get hurt. Yeah. You know, so we're kind of imagining something, whereas a guy like Recky actually did it. So yeah. it's like he has more concrete proof of his... Um, I won't say greatness, but very goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I completely think belongs, agree. And I, I think statistically, you're pretty hard-pressed to make an argument against it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's yeah. if you were to go, I, I'm, uh, I'm not looking at it right now, but just like one last thing about him, I guess. If you were to go and look, you know, as the career numbers, I mean – everybody above him in terms of career goals and he was you know he was more of a passer than a goal scorer we know he was only top 10 in goals once in the in his career everybody above him is either active or in the hall of fame yeah you know? so and and that's like right when you get to that point i know at some point you do have to stop that you can't just say like everybody above this guy's in the hall of fame put him in and then the next guy below you do the same thing and you do it forever but like you know he's top 25 in goals He's top 15 in assists. He's top 15 in points. Yeah. To, to me, everybody above him in those things, they're all either in the hall or they will be at some point. It's yeah. just, there's like, you can't really say he doesn't belong. No, that's it. And I mean, if you look at how many career games, you know, Gretzky played for like 19 NHL seasons or was yeah. it 18 maybe. Um, how played for God knows how many seasons, but NHL seasons probably in the 20s. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like all the guys with the really high overall point totals, they all played that long. And yeah. a lot of them were just, you know, better than Mark Recchi. But for him yeah. to have played that long and be sort of in that company um, is pretty impressive. You know, if, if you if you take longevity out of it, then you just have to do a points per game and a goals per game. And then he would fall probably way lower down the list. Yeah. But again, those guys didn't do it for quite as long. So it could be like, yeah, well, you're, 
yours got cut short by injury. So we know you played eight great seasons, but you never had to play the seasons where you had to work really hard to stay in shape, to continue to produce 70 points a year. We never I, saw if you were in your late thirties or early forties. Yeah. Like he's a 78th all time in assists per game and 90 and, and uh, 93rd all time in, in points per game. Um, okay, so I mean, he's still a top 100 player, yeah. even if you say, oh, he was just okay. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. you know, that's it's still pretty damn good. And he did it for a lot longer than some of those guys, I'm sure did. Yeah, it, so. and then we also mentioned, you know, we also mentioned that with if you uh, if it's a high enough qualifier for people who played enough games, so 1,250, I think it was, he was top 20 in adjusted points per game, which is, yeah. you know, again, there's a longevity, a huge longevity requirement there. But, yeah, absolutely. you know, being one of the top 20 players who have managed to play in 1250 games, that is something like, absolutely. You know, there are people who are not, who have played it well over that, who yeah. would not be 20th. So. Yeah. And I mean, like the, then you get to a point too, where it's like, well, Oh, this guy had a way higher points per game. Be like, yeah, but all of his seasons, he was like under the age of 32. Whereas yeah. Mark Recchi played another decade after that. So we have to take out his like 10, like, or like his last like eight seasons. And what are his numbers now? I bet you they're a lot better. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Then you're just playing with numbers to prove whatever you want, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So finally, uh, Joe Hall of Fame Hall um, <laughs> is, uh, or would it be Joe Joe Hall of Fame? I don't know. I don't know what his nickname should be. <laughs> I like the um, second one better. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, maybe career leader in NHL games. We don't have any idea. Um, and seemingly one of the best defensemen in the NHL for his two brief seasons, as far as we can tell. Um, I think, you know, with, with the dying in the final, I think, you know, that, that I'm okay with someone that happens to being in the hall of fame. Yeah, me too. Um, but I think especially with his career, yeah, as far as we know, I mean, yeah, it's multiple not like he was a bad cups. player that they put in just for sympathy. He was a very good yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. You want multiple cups may have been, depending on the importance of defensemen at that time, may have been the best player, certainly the best defenseman on multiple cup champions in the sense that had the league been very different, you know, presumably, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> could have had such a thing existed, been a candidate for the Conn Smythe multiple seasons, you know, yeah. like it's, it's hard to say, yeah, we don't have the data, but it's hard to like look at this and be like, there are going to be guys I think we get to at some point where like, this may feel like he was put in because he was an all-time, the old-timer that people had fond memories of. I don't think that's true with this guy. I think he, he, you know, had he lived longer, who knows what case we might be making for him. Yeah. Because he wasn't, I don't think he was that old when he died. No, I don't think he was either. And it's, it's sort of, um, sort of in the like, he seemed like one of the very first defensemen who actually put up some points and seemed like he was yeah. important at both ends of the ice um, as the game evolved into that way where it's like, oh, you don't just hang back behind your own red line. You actually go up to the other team's blue line. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's sort of like in the vein of an Art Ross. And, you know, maybe if he had died, maybe that would be called the Hall Trophy. Who knows? Like maybe he was as good as Art Ross, but I think Art Ross had better offensive statistics. But, um, you know, they both sort of played. It seems like they were defensemen but maybe played more of the sort of the old Rover sort of position where, okay, that one defenseman's going to hang back. You go everywhere. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe, but we don't know because we don't have any footage. So we actually don't know how they yeah, played, yeah. but it, the stats would seem to indicate that at least they were more involved um, or were on the ice for more important moments or power plays or whatever it was, right? Yeah. So we, we don't know if those were all power play goals. We have no idea, right? So we have no idea. Yeah. But it does seem like he was more involved in exactly. than a lot of his contemporaries. You know, you look at a lot of the other NHA defensemen, especially the ones who aren't in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And like their number, their point totals each year are often, I mean, even Hall's point totals some years are significantly lower than his best seasons. But like some of the defensemen, like they, you know, they had a couple points a season. Yeah. Yeah. And Hall one once had 17 in a 20 something game. Yeah. Le- you know, league. So like that's. He was clearly he was scoring more than your average player for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, okay. Well, I think yeah that, was, uh, that that's our uh, that's our episode, and uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. And uh, we are going to be back with another one uh, with a same kind of breakdown with a uh, eligible and uh, recently inducted maybe team or someone like that, and uh, and an old timer. So, uh, do you have anything to plug before we go? Or uh, no, I do not. Um, okay. Forward to the next one. Yeah, me too. So thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.